Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Shout It Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. These guys know Kiss inside and out. They freak me out all the time. You're going to enjoy it. The episode is epic. The Kiss Army. Tom and Zeus, another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast, episode 139, aptly titled Revenge. Yeah, go ahead and tell your story about how I don't know what that's from. I just said that the, you know, revenge, the way he says it, Gene Hackman says it in Superman 2. Never start. <laughs> like, how the fuck? That is probably the greatest. To me, and a lot of people, greatest superhero movie of all time. That is spoken by someone who has never watched all the Marvel movies. Oh, okay. Oh, stop it. Oh, sorry. Iron Man gets the fucking Dude. finger bang Hulk Dude, in the, in the Iron, back of a fucking Iron Man. Museum. Iron Man three might be the best superhero movie oh. ever made. Oh, Superman, the fuck's the matter with you, Christopher Reeve? God bless him. But come on, oh. ridiculously horrible special effects. Looks like it was made in my backyard. It's oh, terrible. General Zod, oh he was cool. God. He was cool. Dude, the he was cool. whole thing is good. And then I also have the Richard Donner cut, which oh. literally is like two different movies. Fucking phenomenal. Superman against those three. Holy shit, that's the best Superman, best fucking com- like superhero movie probably of all time. Incredible. I agree. I agree. Superman is the best. You know, we did a comic book with Marvel, not with DC. Now that I have COVID, I have a friend pick me up a Marvel comic for me with Kiss on it. He just tweeted something about Because we have COVID, I can't put my blood in any more comic books. <laughs> Good luck doing that now. Someone's going to sue him. I got COVID because I bought a comic book at a sale. Oh. Hold off on the COVID talk. We're going to get to that in them soon. Yeah. And Superman 2 is the best, but that's okay. Anyway. The best? <laughs> yes, my friend. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we're at album review time. It's been a while. Oh, yes. And it's revenge. Oh, yeah. This one is uh, a pretty, 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 pretty good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been, we've, I, well, I know I personally have been waiting for this one. Yep. And uh, I think you guys will like it. So before we do that, let's get a little feedback from last week where we did talk to me three. Yes. So last week was our annual talk to me episode where we kind of uh, vent and purge some strong opinions on a couple topics. And of course, the two topics were the restart of the end of the road tour and Paul and Gene's social media. And as we stated, 
uh, on our social media. That episode was recorded before the diagnosis of Paul and obviously before the diagnosis of Gene, which is more recent. Um, so the poll was uh, which of the things are, are a more frustrating, quote unquote, as a Kiss fan. Same old set list and stage for end of the road Kiss and their social media, both of them or none. I like Kiss. Do you? Forty-eight percent of you said the same old set list and stage is frustrating. Twenty percent said both of them are frustrating. Eighteen percent said none because they like Kiss, and only fourteen percent cared about in terms of being frustrated about the social media. Um, So, a couple comments here. Bruce Fody said both Paul and Gene really come off like self-righteous a-holes. They used to blame the stagnant playlists on Ace and Peter because they, quote, can't learn new songs. Now it's, quote, average fans just want the hits. Deep cuts are just bad songs. Eh, Okay. Okay. John Gross, same old set list. They're entitled to use their social media however they want, even if I disagree with the message. Of course, no one's disagreeing with their ability and their right to use it how they want. Um. Party man, I don't care what they play or how the stage looks. I simply love seeing it and have a good time while I can. But social media has taken a lot of the adoration for a hero away with both Paul and Gene for me. They are normal humans with very bad days, sometimes like all of us. Scott Wheeler, brutal episode, but also true. While we still love Kisses, are a more frustrating band to its fans than them. I don't think so. They're hardcore loyal fans what keeps them going, but we are rarely rewarded for our loyalty. Perfectly said. That's a That's perfect, Scott. Love that. Damien Scully, Setless is a killer. They haven't catered to the hardcore fans for years. Uh, I love Rich. I wish to change a set list up some. The social media stuff can be silly, but it doesn't bother me. DG from Tennessee, social media for me, especially with Paul. I'm so over the holier-than-thou attitude. Shut up and play. Alessandro Rock, current stage show is cool, but lacks excitement. Isn't that what we want as fans? I don't care about social media posts because it's not real life. Well, I choose to think it's not. How about they play King of the Nighttime World? Put the audio track on. Yikes. West Beach, our buddy there, says same old set list and stage seems lazy. And is anybody still buying Sonic Boom? So why do say yeah? I don't even think Walmart even stocks it anymore. Even Firehouse would be a better choice. With such a vast back catalog, they could do something different. That's actually an interesting point by Wes about Sonic Boom. It's not available on streaming. And I think Walmart still has the right. So it's not like that song is universally adored by people because it's it's hard to even hear. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting point. Uh, good stuff from there, from Wes. And then a um, couple other comments here from uh, the Twitter, as I like to uh, call it. Um, let's see here. Oh, this is a good one. here. we got into a nice little back and forth with somebody by the name of Under the Radar. They say bunch of complainers. Wah, wah, wah. If the show is repetitive, don't go. If Paul's tweets annoy you, stop following. All the negativity is quite honestly going overboard at this point, not just being real. All right. Then we responded, plenty of Kiss pom-pom podcasts out there. Do you like Kiss? (laughs) You can't do over 50 episodes a year. Who's that? I don't know. Can't do over 50 episodes a year and not find stuff you don't like about Kiss or their members. I would suggest that's not real. Um, and then they respond, I get it. You're making your thing the anti-pom-pom. My opinion, you're going overboard. But if the majority like it, then you're doing it right. Anyway, then it got into a back and forth. And then they, then she said, FYI, my name is Judy. Well, Judy. Hi, Judy. 
<laughs> is that Judy Gilbert's girlfriend from hey, Revenge Gilbert? of the Earth? Hi, Gilbert. Hey, that's Judy. all. That's Shame all. with their link and you live in the gym. I feel like she said that her name is Judy so that we would like be nice to her because if it was like a guy would just be like going off on her. But it's OK, Judy. Well, we love Judy has a lot of spontaneous friends and they'd love to come over. I'll Although call them. I'll call them. Yeah. Although they're part of the Omega Moose, not the Moose. They're a bunch, bunch of pigs. <laughs> See, this is what happens, Judy. You told us your name is Judy and we love that you're a fan and we love your passion. And we, we, we love the fact that you're interacting with us. Tell us how you feel. That's what we want. And we but, love uh, that your friends are real spontaneous people. <laughs> but the fact that your name comes from the best comedy ever made is not going to be a good yeah. thing for you from now on. And, and Booger fucking loves you guys. Oh, hell yeah. Well, absolutely. Oh, boy. All right, buddy. Booger was like dancing with them and then just hands just went around their asses and he's holding fat asses. Dude, that literally looked like he was holding like a down comforter. (laughs) There was no way that was somebody's ass. (laughs) And then he turned around and then the the other one was like, beat it. I got him. And they were fighting over Booger. (laughs) The moose. Call me Booger. All right. All right. Booger. Booger. All right. Booger. All right. I'll buddy Nige. Another great episode. Non-changing set list really bugs me. No excuse why they can't do what Metallica and Pearl Jam, etc. do. Another example from the 90s, R.E.M. Always half of the set is must-haves. The other half is a surprise. Keep it fresh for old fans. Or can't they do a variation on what Maiden does? A run of dates playing just the classics. Another run of dates playing almost entirely deep cuts. Keep both sets of fans happy. You know what? That brings me up to something we didn't bring up. I wish Kiss would do what a lot of other bands would do. I, I when I saw Rush, they did play an album. It's an in, in its entirety, then throw in some hits. Like when I saw Rush, they played Moving Pictures in its entirety with hits. Eagles, they played Hotel California in its entirety, then hits. I saw Queensrÿche, they played Empire. I'm sorry, uh, Mind Crime in its entirety, then hits. Like I'm surprised Kiss doesn't do that. But again, they probably don't know how to fucking play Sweet Pain off Destroyer anymore. But yeah, Anyways. well, I can tell you this. I just saw Hotel California. Yeah, they played that and then they're playing fucking 31 songs in total. Go, Let's ask Murph, who saw both concerts and his daughter, who saw both concerts. Hate to tell you guys. And don't stop using band. Murph for your own benefit. Why? He's the, what do you mean? I don't need to use him. I usually would fucking tell you he's an idiot. But the truth of the matter <laughs> oh, is oh, oh, him and his daughter and myself saw both those bands and Kiss is a bigger fan. I'm a bigger fan of Kiss than the Eagles. The Eagles blew Kiss away. Oh, I don't blew them away. I don't know that. I don't know. Embarrassing that they can't switch fucking songs up. You know what the problem is, Tom? And I don't want to rehash the last episode. The problem is they've been doing the same shit since 2012. Of course. It's- if you were just doing it, hey, we're retiring, so we got to get all our greatest hits out, and we need to play these, that's fine. But the fact of the matter is you were doing the same thing before that. Yeah. So all those other bands were playing some hits, some deep cuts, giving their fans something. Now they want to say, okay, well, well, but you've been doing that already. So people are sick of this shit. Oh, nope, nope. We nope. know better. I know. Okay. I know. Anyways, that's Twitter. What do you got from Facebook? On the book of face, Max Lynch. It's much needed therapy to let these frustrations out. Yes. Over on Loudcasters, James A. Warden. Great points on both topics. While the painter is great and talented, I've seen him twice already and was looking forward to DLR. As you mentioned, they had 18 months 
Too bad they wouldn't get Bruce Kulick to open. He could play Kiss songs the current lineup would never do. It would be a great tribute to all eras. Bruce has always been a team player, and this would also have been a tribute and send-off to him. At this point, do we really uh, see Ace or Peter being part of the end of the road show? On the bright side, I won't have to fork off 50 bucks for a new shirt. Thanks for expressing opinions not tolerated by other podcasts and groups your own. Nice. Love that. Yeah. Over on YouTube. <laughs> Anthony Stratus. Thanks for the laugh, guys. Really need some cheering up this week with COVID lockdown in all here in Melbourne. Oh, God, I know. Isn't it bad over there? It's fucking horrible. I'm hearing. Um, I think the reason you guys in this shout out loudcast podcast is growing so rapidly is because you guys are genuine and you can't fake genuine. Keep rocking, guys. Thank you, Anthony, and good luck. Be be safe in Australia there, my friend, and all, and all our, our Australian listeners. And then our buddy Marty jumps in. Marty White, you can't fake genuine, but you can fake Fraley. Mister <laughs> <laughs> uh, Antonio, two thousand and five, who revealed just- himself on Twitter the other day. <laughs> I love it. That I was fantastic. It. Yes. And I, and he's like, I think he's a serious professional too. He, I, he has like all these abbreviations after his name, but he, he commented, he goes, AKA Mr. Antonio, 2005. I was like, yes. Awesome. I know that that's why I, I, the nickname is Zeus, not my professional name with fucking people bugging my law firm with, Hey, uh, the thing you were talking about, uh, fucking, uh, piss cakes, whatever his name is, Goober. Hey, hey, I'm looking for a fucking pickle boy. Is does he work here? Who's fucking Cukes? <laughs> Cukes, whatever the fuck his name is. Looking for the paralegal named Cukes. Yeah. Um, Mister Antonio, two thousand five. Gene tweets are comparable to Paul. Paul anal bed necklace look from the elder. Not good and don't age well. And please, Paul, talking about Metallica Black album. Who's who's he kidding? Yep. He was listening to Jesus Jones, Delight, and Boys to Men back in 91. Hey, Groove is on the heart, baby. Delight. Oh, oh, God. And then Johnny Be Good. Uh, maybe if people stop complaining about Kiss Lackluster set list and just simply stop going to the concerts, then maybe they would change things up and do something different. Of course, they're going to do the same thing over and over again if you keep spending your money on it. I haven't seen Kiss nor want to since 2010. I haven't missed anything yet. Yeah. This is the old fucking uh, can't do it. Sports thing. Oh, stop supporting the team and the owner will do something. Yeah. Dude, what? What? You can't fuck. Kiss is retiring. They're stopped touring. You're not going to you're not going to sit there and go, yeah, I fucking put my foot down. And then I never saw them. Right. I want to see them for the last time right. and then bitch about it. Of course. Exactly. So, Tom, over to you for emails. But yeah, and before we get to the email, uh, we got a uh, DM from our good buddy, Craig Moran here. Good stuff here. Hey, guys, listen to your Talk To Me 3 episode right now. Want to discuss your topic of their lazy static set list. Uh, one thing that needs to be discussed, is Paul playing to a vocal track? Uh, we're not going to get into that right now. Um, he talks about Metallica is a great example of changing the set list. Sometimes he says they have revolving A, B, and C set list. Each tour with two to three songs rotate in and out. It's not a completely different set list. Uh, you can sometimes figure out which one you're going to get, but at least it offers variety. Uh, then he brings up another band that he loves, Dream Theater, kind of does the same thing. 
Um, then he brings up a, an interesting point about the Metallica thing. A lot of people picking up on the Paul Stanley Metallica bullshit. Uh, the only thing that about Metallica that interests Paul is how they can put out a $200 box set for each album that sells out every time. He's absolutely right. I'm surprised Kiss doesn't do that. They just sell fucking $40 splatter vinyls that idiots like me buy. Um, Paul couldn't give two shits about them back when Eric was praising them. They weren't on MTV. They were still underground. And I cannot remember them ever mentioning Kiss. That's true. Meanwhile, Anthrax has praised Kiss from day one, opening up for them on the Crazy Nights tour. Everything is money with Paul and Gene. Same way you never know of Paul's love of Motown until Soul Station was created and it suited his needs. Looking forward to the Zeppelin episodes. Yes, Craig, thank you. If you're checking this out now, we just dropped the first of many Zeppelin Chronicles with Shout Out Loudcast favorite Murph and our buddy Jay from The Hook Rock. So check that out if you're a Zeppelin fan. And uh, we got an email here from Joshua Smith. Oh, this is a good one. Hey, fellas, as always, love the show. Driving down to a party this weekend, and I asked my wife if we could listen to the new Talk to Me episode that had just come out. She said, yes, as long as I can read my book. You know I don't care about Kiss. So as a compromise was reached, and I fired up the podcast. After the talk of people shitting their pants for 30 minutes. <laughs> had me laughing like an idiot. You guys eventually got to talking about Kiss. Never changed, by the way. I love it, he says. We got through the entire episode. My wife ended up listening to all of it and commenting along the entire way. But what stood out to me as the funniest moment was when my wife pauses the podcast, looks at me and says, do these guys even like Kiss? All they're doing is shitting on them. But I could listen to this all day. (laughs) Your wife is like my new favorite fan. Even though she doesn't like Kiss, I love it. We need to have her be like fucking comment of the week like to to keep we need comments from your wife josh we definitely maybe josh do. maybe josh smith's wife could do like a bumper for the show hey you yeah. listen to shout out loudcast these guys don't even like this <laughs> all they talk about is people shitting their pants and how much eating, they hate and, the band and eating piss cakes <laughs> uh you see then finishes up he says uh we both agree that david lee roth was kicked off the tour because he alone blows kiss out of the water even if Diamond Dave doesn't sound how he used to, him and his band blow Kiss off the stage musically any day of the week. Can't wait for next week's episode. P.S. Even though she dislikes Kiss, she has indulged me twice and has gone to see them with me and has always had a good time. Thank you, Josh Smith. Awesome email. That is awesome. Thank you for your wife for uh, adding a little extra humor to the show this week, too, buddy. That's awesome. Uh, you're a very lucky man. The fact that you just said that, you know, she still went and indulged you. That's yep. an awesome partner, man. Absolutely. Be very thankful. Yep. Good stuff. Um, Tom, I got one more thing I want to read. This is from Sean Geek Podcast over on our Facebook and Loudcasters page. He posts cool. on both places. Talk to me three. Oh, man. This was a new thing for me. I'm a new listener to the show. And boy, did it feel good. Been a Kiss fan since 77, 78. First album was alive, too. And like anything you've been for that long, you love to have you have fights with it. You have disagreements with it. But in the end, you still rally behind it. I so needed this, guys. I was nervous when Doc McGee came into the picture all those years ago after representing all those bands in the 80s, what they were doing. He raised the bar for all those bands, blown them all up through the stratosphere. What could he do for Kiss? In the 80s, Kiss was the band I was made fun of. But under Doc McGee, they achieved the level of success 
I'm dreamt of. Now the kids that made fun of Kiss were buying tickets to the show. And just like in the late 70s, as their first decline happened, they tried hard to cater to everyone, sometimes at the expense of longtime fans. And sometimes fans, as sometimes fans uh, fans tend to do, left when they found someone else of the moment. It drives me nuts, but I feel the same thing is happening now. The sometimes fans are coming to the show for that piece of nostalgia, but they aren't going to stay, especially since the nostalgia train with fake Ace and Peter has been going for 20 years going. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I still love the band, but Kiss is so good at shooting themselves in the foot, listening to Doc, listening to their own egos, see the forest through the trees. This farewell tour should not have had Doc at the helm. It should have put both Gene and Paul in their place with some tough love. Step it up. Change it up. Give something back to the fans. These fans will talk it up, see the shows, and share the shit of it online. Do something new. Personally, I won't bother to see them again. It's been six times by now. Uh, I know the show, and if I really want to, I could buy the DVD. I just wish the band would have chosen to go out on top instead of falling down the hill. And for that, Sean Geek Podcast, you, my friend, are comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. Like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. (laughs) Tom, I just love the part where he's talking about, you know, they try to cater to everyone and meanwhile, you know, be uh, basically screwing up for everyone. You hear that all the time when any artist or anybody tries to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. And uh, it's a great point. It's a great email. Great, great, a great comment. Oh, we got to play the hits. We got to play the hits. Fucking whatever, please. Honestly, we could do it. We could do a podcast just on the set list, not an episode like the whole the whole show could just be the set list. (laughs) Fucking say, yeah. Oh, my God. We break. Oh, man. We got to do this one's a classic now. It's called Psycho Circus. Dude, that song, (laughs) that album is just trash. Oh, speaking of Psycho Circus, real, real quick before we get into the news and stuff. Somebody on I think it was I think it was a Loudcasters (laughs) group got fucking bludgeoned. By saying that Psycho Circus was his favorite Kiss album, I started to feel bad for the guy. He was getting up just brutally abused by saying Psycho Circus was his favorite album. And I just sat back and laughed because he deserved all the abuse that he got. <laughs> was that the guy that then started getting all personal with everybody? Yes, yes, that was it. Yeah. And he started like, that's the one thing we talked about. Was like, we don't want our loudcasters group to become toxic. No, now, I don't really care if somebody wants to oh, fuck fake Fraley. Right, right. But I don't want them to be like, well, fuck you and your fucking opinion. Like that shit is the stuff that we don't want. Right. Correct. We don't care if someone fucking um, has something to bitch about a little bit. But like, we don't want it to be just, you know, us on a rant 24 hours a day, all day. That's what the, you know, the. The group is about it's yeah. not. And if, and if it's friendly, just going back and forth, like, oh, I can't believe you like Psycho Circus. That album sucks. Like, you know, that's fine. But when you start getting into, you know, the real like, like well, harsh yourselves and yeah. fuck your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see you later. See you later, buddy. Yeah. 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 See you later, fruitcake. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you, babe. Wish you luck in the future. Um, yeah. Tom, great feedback this week. And if yep. you noticed a little shorter. Woohoo. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're gonna have to. We want to. We're gonna try to keep this going thing moving a little bit more quickly in the beginning because we have a lot of stuff to get to when we're talking about revenge. More yep. more time for the album review. So, Tom. But before we move on, we want to talk about Patreon. Patreon is where uh, people can come and support us and uh, be part of our family there. And we uh, have some little tidbits and little fun little things we also give to everybody that's part of the uh, Pantheon group. Uh, We have four different tiers if people want to join. Uh, We love having them. The interaction's great. We actually have a a group uh, chat coming up soon, which we're all looking forward to. And uh, it's been uh, growing so much that we're, uh, we're we're constantly thinking of new ideas and what we can do to kind of make it even more fun and exciting. So we love the support. The, the pay, uh, Patreon people have been excellent and we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, all their contribution stuff really go back into the show. And uh, it's been a, a great addition this year. And uh, we're really proud of the uh, of the family that we got going there. You can find Patreon on the app, uh, Patreon or Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And in the episode notes, there's a section there. You can click on it with all the links. It'll go Patreon. You can go right there. If you need to find us, you just search for creators. You just search, shout it out loudcast, and you'll find us there. Yeah, absolutely. We say it every week. Patreon, you guys are amazing. The family is growing. We can't express our gratitude more. Uh, and like Zeus said, uh, we, we got some things coming up. Um, and some of the things that we do, for example, you know, depending on what tier you're on, we have a couple, we have some exclusive polls that help help people uh, actually interact with the show and, and decide certain things that are going to happen on the show, sneak peeks into episodes that nobody knows until, you know, re- you know, we do a coming soon, which is a really obscure teaser for a lot of people. But if you're on Patreon, you're going to get an advance notice of what we're talking about. So you don't have to wait until Saturday morning. Um, and you're also going to have some interactive polls and some things to talk about, some chats that we're going to be doing. So, you know, the, as Patreon grows, like Zeus said, we're going to expand our involvement with all of you as well and, and keep that family growing. So, uh, again, we thank you guys yeah. very, very much. And we got some exciting things coming up. Yep. All right. One last thing. I just wanted to give a little uh, a little thing here about our coming soon. A lot of times we make them obscure. We make them teasers, confusing. A couple people guessed it. But this week, because we're doing revenge, that coming soon is a movie poster from a recent horror movie called The Unholy. A couple of you guys did get it. So uh, I thought that was pretty impressive. But, yeah, we try to make them as obscure as possible. Um, it's kind of turned into a game with some people who try to guess. So, uh, again, we try to make that fun. You know, we're not going to put coming soon and put a picture of the album cover. You know, we want to if, if you're a new listener, we try to make these things very, very crazy, obscure and difficult to guess. Some people guess them and uh, that makes it kind of fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tom, let's go. Kiss World. What's going on? Yeah. Anything Kiss- new since last time we were on the air? Kiss World is not where we want it to be right now. Obviously, the huge breaking news was Paul getting COVID, tour being canceled, uh, postponed at the last minute, then the, the 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 show being postponed at the last minute, then the tour being postponed, and then what do you know? A few days later, Gene comes down. He was diagnosed with COVID. Uh, they both seem to be doing very well. Paul is posting pictures of himself as if he can't be the more most miserable fucking human on the planet with that. Puss on his face. Oh forget about the, forget about the who fodded face. That is old, like 
lemon lips himself. Just brutal. And then Gene is busy fucking tweeting about how excited he is that ABBA has a new album. I mean, <laughs> or, or better yet, fighting with somebody online. And I'm like, is that Joe Piscopo? <laughs> what the fuck is that? The guy's name was Joe Piscopo. I'm yeah, like, yeah. You're like, is that really him? I'm like, 200 followers? You never know. I know. But no, I mean, they, they seem to be doing all right. Uh, but yeah, the fact that they were both diagnosed, obviously uh, not a good sign. Uh, it's nice to see that they're recovering. They were vaccinated, uh, but they are older. They're 70, but it's nice to see that they're doing well. The tour has been postponed. There hasn't been anything crystal clear about when they're going to go back on tour now, especially with Gene, with his diagnosis. Um, also, the Australia tour has yeah. been postponed again until 2022. They're playing for a fucking pool of octopus. I heard this time in Australia. They are. That's right. They're going to do an underwater show. <laughs> yeah, they're going to take some of that plexiglass from the meet and greet and build a fucking cage for them to get in. Fake Fraley, get in your scuba gear. Entertain those mollusks. But uh, but all, all jokes aside, as you know, we're we're fired up for the Kiss Cruise, and we're just wondering what the hell's going on. We haven't heard anything about it. It's le- it's now we're officially under the two month mark for the Kiss yeah. Cruise. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I don't know who knows what's going on, but that was the major major news, obviously. Yeah, Tom. Uh, I, I just you know I don't want to sit here and dwell about it. Yeah. The no, good go thing about it is the way I look at it is our 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 heroes are old. They got COVID. Knock on wood. They look like they're over it. Yep. And they made it through. I agree. So we don't have to worry about them getting COVID and something bad happened to them because they got it. They're both vaccinated. Thank God. And so their their symptoms and, you know, um, uh, health was uh, obviously helped along by this vaccination and they're, and yep. they're healthier. Yep. Now we don't have to worry about them catching it and maybe being as bad again. So I feel like they might have a little bit more confidence in themselves. Like, hey, I got it. We went through it. We'll be more careful so our fans don't get it. But their fear of getting it is over. So I feel like maybe they'll be more like, okay, let's just fucking go on and, and battle through it. And I feel comfortable that our, our, our you know, our current heroes uh, have gone through it. And, uh, you know, they didn't, nothing bad happened to them, thankfully. Yeah, I I hope you're right, but I just don't know if a decision like that is going to be made based on how they feel personally. I think they're going to make a decision based on a more a more global decision. But you might be right; they might look at it and be like, "Hey, we, we survived it. We got it. We're we're through it. Let's let's go ahead." I don't know. I don't know if they are going to make a decision. They're going to have to make it soon. <laughs> well, I'm thinking it's like, well, we do have to worry about with Tommy and Eric, Paul. Fuck them. <laughs> you know why? Because fuck them. That's why. <laughs> but shouldn't we care about them, you know, getting this? Why would we put them at risk? Because fuck them. That's why. You know, a lot of people ask why. Why treat the customer this way? Why? Because fuck them. That's why. Plus, Paul, do you have any idea how much money we'll lose if we cancel this tour and this cruise? <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what's going on in Kiss World. We're not going to fucking go on this a little bit any further. But one other thing in Shout It Out Loudcast World, you guys, I think we briefly said something about it earlier, but um, we did put out this week the Zeppelin Chronicles introduction. 
And that's with our buddy uh, Jay from the Hook Rocks and family member, shout out Loudcast Murph. And uh, for those of you that are Kiss fans, I would say maybe 95% of you are Zeppelin fans. And those two are two of our favorite bands. And when we were starting to do album review crew stuff, we thought about it and we're like, we don't want to waste a Zeppelin album because we want to hit all the albums. It'll take too long. So let's do something different, but we don't have the time. And I know that's the, the running gag with all the, uh, the, you know, the feedback is like, where the fuck you find the time? You're damn right. (laughs) Hence (laughs) Patreon. Thank you for helping us out during this time because it's, very time inducing and it takes a lot of research and that stuff comes in handy for us. We planned this. If you go back and listen to us at the end of last year, we said to you, things are coming. Yep. Okay. Amongst them was this. Yep. It took until September to get this just right for you guys. And you know, it still wasn't perfect for us, but we felt comfortable getting this on the road and getting it going. That's the kind of commitment you get from us. That's the kind of like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Tom? Uh, Dedication. Yeah. We're not putting shit against the, we're not throwing shit against the wall. I'm like, hey, hey, do you like Zeppelin too? Let's, let's just talk about it. Do you I like Jimmy Page? Me too. He's a good guitar. Do you like Cashmere? Me too. <laughs> or, or better yet, putting posts up on uh, Twitter. Is Led Zeppelin good? <laughs> name, name a, a good name, name a good Zeppelin song. Yes, good Zeppelin song. Go. <laughs> like we're not doing stupid clickbait stupid shit like that no 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 we're talking about people who put cucumbers up their ass that's what we're doing <laughs> we're talking about relevant fucking important stuff. serious serious <laughs> world events so anyways we talked about doing this we got it right we have the right team and we went through fucking couple different uh, ideas and stuff like that we love having it done with jay who's awesome over at the hook rocks big passionate zep head and of course murph who you guys all know and love and add so much fucking fucking what's the word I'm looking for, Tom? I'm drawing a blank with Murph. Controlled passion. How about that? <laughs> so much of his fucking like us, but simmered down us. Yeah, it's 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 us on like a little bit of a sedative. Yeah. In a good way. Give him a sedative. Oh, never mind. You're you're not a big young Frankenstein fan. I I bet either. That's okay. Okay, Sonny. (laughs) Meh. Meh. Anyways, Tom, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the Zep Chronicles before we get into. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And stay tuned because after that is the Rush Chronicles. It's when I do the show by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Following that will be the the George Jones country whistling contest. Um, We'll be doing that, too, as well. Alone. Anyway, uh, I thank you guys for that. And let's get on to revenge. Yeah, we've been talking about doing this one for a while. We always try to map out our album reviews so that they're not chronological. You never know where we're coming with them. We, we try to check off each section of their career, you know, makeup, non-makeup, 70s, 80s, 90s, etc. It's revenge time. And this one is going to be 
I don't want to say too much about it until we get into it, but it's uh, this, this is going to be a good episode. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Um, and let's just start by what we always start with, Tom. Do you remember when you first got involved with Revenge? I do. I do. Yeah, it, The story is kind of interesting because we were in college at the time or, or I, I remember hearing about the Bill and Ted thing with God gave rock and roll to you. And I was like, ah, that's kind of weird. Whatever. You know, because I had seen Kiss on the Hot in the Shade Tour in 1990. And then not long after they did the song for Bill and Ted. And I was like, yeah, all right. But the thing that really burned in my brain was um, my friend, Chris, who Murph knows, big Kiss fan, you know, Metallica Dawkin fan, like, you know, all that stuff. We were watching MTV and I believe it was the premiere or it was the premiere for us. Cause we had never seen it of the unholy video. And I remember watching the video and we literally looked at each other and said, Holy fuck. How is this kiss? Because their last album had, you know, hide your heart and rise to it and forever, which was great. And then we're like, what the fuck is going on with this band that we love? We couldn't believe it. I ended up buying the CD of Revenge at one of those used places down in downtown Boston that we used to go to all the time. Um, I got it for cheap. And um, I don't know why I bought it for cheap at the time, but I I, I grabbed it at one of those places uh, where they sell all, you know, used stuff or stuff from like from dealers or you know third party whatever sometimes they had a little the little tab taken out of them the top the cutout bin whatever you call it but i had it uh been listening to it ever since uh it's it's a memorable album for me and like i said i remember exactly where i was when i was first kind of exposed to this entire revenge thing so uh that was it for me what about you all right for me similar uh we're in college at this point, Kiss has kind of fallen off. Yep. And then I remember hearing, and it could have been from you, saying to me, have you fucking heard the new one? And of course, I ran out and bought it. And I played Unholy, and I'm like, holy fuck, what is this? Yeah. Is this Kiss? Like, seriously being like, holy shit. And I think that was another part of the Tom and Zeus we had our own new music that we get into the hair metal stuff gets put kind of in the back burner and you move your CDs a little further up and the ones that coming in are the Allison chains, the sound gardens, Pearl jams, the Nirvana's and all that stuff. But all of a sudden our kiss stuff starts is still there with that level. And it got me and you talking more and more about kiss again. It renewed our love of the band. And again, it, it's one thing to pick it up on your own. It's another when you finally find a kiss friend to mm-hmm. bounce that off of. As yep. much as you bounce it off of Murph, Murph isn't a lifelong kiss fan. Right. But when we started like learning this album and playing it and hearing Domino and all the other songs on there, then I just want it and take it off. Holy shit. And it, you know, I I, I have to say, Tom, it correlates and is compounded with the fact that we got extreme close-up right after. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that. Yep. So I'm they glad go you brought hand that up. in hand. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, watching then you, the minutia, the, the millionth viewing of, uh, of having uh, extreme close-up playing. So by time 
are, I would say the, the greatest year of my juvenile life, junior year at, at Stonehill, when we all were for a little bit, that moment in the sun where yep. you were in a relationship with like Bo Derek in her prime. <laughs> at mo- one time, that one girlfriend that you couldn't believe you got because she was way out of your league. And you think back, like, how the fuck did that happen? Yep. That was our junior year in college. Yes, we it got was. a taste, a slice of being with your best friends in the prime of your life. Yep. No responsibilities. I've got to work just enough to get by in college and do your shit. And it was just fucking heaven. In the meantime, uh, we've described this before, and I don't know if you guys remember, we had this one big ass suite. Mm hmm. So the middle room was just a fucking playground for fucking miscreants. And then we each had like side little, you know, bed. Uh, what do you call it? Bedroom room. The dorm yeah, bedrooms. Dorm yeah. Off the middle suite. Mm-hmm. Well, what we decided to do is pool all our resources together. Resources oh, Jesus. Together, Here we go. And we went to our, was it RCA? Rent a center. Whatever the fuck you call it. Rent a center. And we rented a fucking like 80 fucking inch TV. But it was the kind that like your grandmother would have. It was like a piece of furniture. Yeah, it was it was one of those projection things. Yeah, yeah. And we put it in the center. We had couches all around. Yep. If you went to class, something was playing. You woke up at two in the morning, walked out, something was playing. Always. We always had something playing. And it was usually uh, Slapshot, Revenge Animal of House. the Nerds, Animal, Animal House. House, Coming to America, and or the, a fucking extreme close-up. And the VHS tape that I brought from home with all the Beavis and Butthead episodes taped oh, off yes, our MTV. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and we'd fucking dissect those. Yep. We fucking watched Extreme Close. You have no idea. Like, people that don't like Kiss fucking were used to seeing it on the TV. Oh, We played that nonstop. With yep. that became the new love of the Revenge Era Kiss and the Revenge album. Mm-hmm. So I know we'll get into the facts about revenge and the fact that although we all love it and critics love it and fans love it, didn't sell that well. Neither no. did the tour. But to us, everybody thinks that, oh, my God, didn't this go triple platinum? Wasn't this the biggest thing? Yep. We fucking fell in love with it. And this album has a real sentimental spot in, in my heart. And I'm assuming oh, yeah. yours, too. Oh, no doubt. And that's where my memory really comes. When I think of this, I think of college. I think of uh, extreme close up and I, I just think of like this era of kiss where you're like fucking proud. Yep. They're back. They're bad. Yep. They kick you, ass. You check. Yeah. It, 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 the college years in terms of music. I mean, we had, we love the grunge stuff. We had that. We had the guns and roses with the use your illusion stuff. You had kiss coming back with revenge and extreme close up. I mean, it was just everything that we loved was happening all at the same time. And you're right between this CD and that video VHS video of extreme close-up it just hammered home just the stuff like it and and kiss knew it with that video it just it re it rejuvenated the love of the band classic clips new clips the the album itself we're going to get into it, what we think about it but uh just it was a great time for sure yeah and um so and with that let's get on to the cover your thoughts um, it's, I like it. Um, you know, it's supposed to be like a battleship or something, bullet holes, revenge kind of scribbled on there. I guess maybe it's supposed to be blood or whatever you want to call it. You know, I don't know. Um, you know, and then you read about some of the things, you know, revenge, 
what's the revenge revenge against fans that gave up on them revenge against critics revenge against themselves because now they found their way back with, with a harder edge. Like what is, what's the revenge? What's that? What does that mean when you, when you see that? So I, I the, I mean, it's cool. I, I mean, I, I don't not like it. Um, I think the back cover is really interesting. We'll, we'll get to that. Why don't you talk about what you think about the front of the, the, the main cover first, and we'll talk yeah, about the back. I, I'm, I'm fine. I like, again, for non makeup kiss. Yeah. You're not really much to play with. Sometimes the band would put their face on the cover. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't. The previous album, they didn't. Um, I believe the uh, previous, you know, three or four, they did. Right. So lick it up. They're on the cover. Animalized. They weren't. Asylum. They were. Uh, Crazy Nights. They were. Um, Smashes. Hot and Shade. They weren't. Yep. Smashes. They were. I mean, a little back and forth. This is, you know, it, it's it portrays something. I think it's definitely better than Hot in the Shade, but you know, how good can they be with right. uh, with non makeup Kiss? Now, as far as the back cover goes, mm-hmm. settle down. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. For the time, it's like ooh, ooh, bad boys, scare, oh, revenge, oh my god, there's blood on the cover. They they're wearing black coats. They're so scary. Ooh, now Gene looks fucking legitimately awesome. Paul, stand up straight. You look like an idiot with your fucking legs like that. Bruce, I love you, Bruce. Uh, not sure what's happening. That looks like Chris Jericho's WWE jacket. Yeah. You, though you, those you guys know know what I'm talking about. The one that. Yep. There's all lights on the back. That looks just like it. And then, of course, you got Eric Singer with that, with the, the bright, bright blonde hair. So I, I get it. You know, I get it. it was 92, whatever. But it's it's OK. It's OK. Yeah. What do you think about the inside besides the lyrics on the inside? But what do you think of this picture on the inside? I, I, I think, well, first of all, Paul looks like somebody just asked him a question. That he doesn't know the answer to. Like yeah. his face with that he's like he's got the crooked, eyebrow. He's the got f- the crooked man eyebrow going. <laughs> crooked man. <laughs> it's got um Gene looks fucking great. You know, I Bruce and I think they look great. Paul honestly just looks confused. I just don't understand that face. <laughs> it, it it's okay. It, it's pretty cool. Gene looks fucking amazing. I Gene is just the man during this whole fucking era for me, yeah. but it's yeah. good. It's okay. And I guess the album cover was done by somebody named Hugh Simey. Yeah, who if you don't if you know anything about Rush, that guy was heavily involved with Rush album covers. So he did he did a, he did a lot of like graphic, um, you know, kind of a lot of like graphic type things. He's done stuff for Rush. I think he did some things for Def Leppard. I think he did some things for uh, Dream Theater. He's done some things for um, Iron Maiden, I believe. Uh, he's done some things for Sticks. White Snake, Queensryche, Aerosmith. He's more. He's well known more, or for me at least, because I'm a Rush fan. When you hear that name, you think of his Rush covers. Um, when you see the Rush covers that he's done, and you see Revenge, it's like, eh, it doesn't really seem like his style. But you know, it's okay. You know, the, the album cover is okay. Yeah, they wanted um, to get this guy named Storm Ferguson. Yeah, like Pink Floyd and Zeppelin album covers. Yes. Uh, yes. And they figured that this guy was like the American him. Yep. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. He's a big name. Yeah. yeah. But let's get to the facts of revenge. Go for it. Came out May 19, 1992. 
produced by Bob Ezrin. Now, oh. big difference in Gene and Paul are getting producer credits on this one. Yep. And uh, going back to or uh, Ron Nevison and then yep. going back to, uh, you know, a fucking badass like Bob Ezrin, who yep. who has enough respect that says, no, nah, you're doing it this way. Yep. Right. And it was and it was interesting, too, because, of course, the, the, the Bob Ezrin thing with talking about the quote unquote, you know, whether they were real or not, you know, the hard feelings from the elder. But looking back fondly on Destroyer, you know, of course, when you hear Bob Ezrin kiss, you think Destroyer, arguably their best record, which is not. And then, oh, is El- the, the elder, arguably their worst record. It's not. Nope. Uh, but you bring it, you bring him in for this and it's like, oh shit. Okay. Shit's getting real. We made it through the eighties. We made, we love those albums. A lot of fans don't. We're going big time here. We're getting Bob Ezrin back. What are we going to do? So having him back was huge and, and kind of mending those fences, particularly with Paul was a big deal too, with, with Paul and Bob and getting them back on the same page. Uh, for the for the production of this. Yeah, Bob talks about the fact that Paul wasn't happy with him. <clears throat> yep. I think Bob realized that I think Paul uh, was had a lot of hurt feelings about how the way the elder fell apart and was a disaster. Yep. And Bob was a mess back then on drugs and things like that and probably couldn't see straight and was like, yeah, yeah, this is great. And like he let them down. And anytime you read anything, Bob Ezrin is always so courteous in like seems like nervous that Paul will get upset with him. Always overextending himself. Yeah. Even Bruce talks about it. Oh yeah. Bob's a fucking Paul guy yep. to the detriment of Gene. Like he talks to Gene like shit. Oh yeah. And to Paul is like, maybe we should try something different. Oh or yeah. To Gene. He's like, yeah, that sucks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Gene that blows Paul. Yeah. Let's try something different. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. He, he, he respects Paul and, uh, and the thing about Bob, too, that, that you like when you read about him, you know, particularly about this album is that, you know, he, he's he's pretty forthright in, he, uh, in acknowledging some of the mistakes that he made in the past and trying to work towards correcting them on an album like Revenge. He's not like, oh, fucking Paul and Gina, they made me do all that. You know, he owes he, he takes he owns some of the responsibility for what people refer to as the debacle known as the elder uh, and was willing to work towards correcting that. So, yeah. So the. um you know, the other part, too, and we'll connect this stuff later when we get into the actual song. And that is that uh, they got it together with Bob because Bob was part of that Bill and Ted's bogus journey soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And they decided to do God Gave Rock and Roll to You, a remake of the the old Argent song. Mm-hmm. And Bob was going to produce it for that. And they asked Kiss to do it. They're like, yeah, why not? Let's see if we can, uh, you know, get some of that magic back with Bob. And uh, I don't want to get too much into that song, but that they had a good experience with Bob on that song. So they, you know, decided that, okay, our next album, you, we're doing this together with you. And thank God they did. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Cause you got to wonder what kind of like the way that things happen, you know, w- w- hooking up with him or being asked to do God gave rock and roll to you for that Bill and Ted's movie. And then, taking a chance on having that discussion to say, Hey, we, we want an album. Let's have you join us and do that. Having it work out the way it did. Um, it's, it, it's just something as kiss fans that we're lucky that it got to that point And then it, it, it worked out the way it did. Yeah. So the album is technically considered the 16th studio album. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's dedicated to Eric Carr. It's the first with Eric Singer since obviously Eric Carr's death uh, in November of 91. It went all the way to number six. It is only gold, which I am shocked. Yep. But then again, yeah, but then again, it was only like uh, they haven't tried to recertify that. I think this is done in like the 90s. It was considered gold. Yep. Right. It, yep. it hasn't been uh, done again, certified since then. And uh, that that way, I mean, there's no way that thing is still just gold. And it's crazy, too, when you think about an album that had multiple videos, f- four videos, I believe, five, five, sing- f- five singles. Five um, singles, five videos. Correct. Five video. I mean, they were pushing this heavy, heavy, and it did get a lot of play. A lot of people loved it. But let's be honest here. It was 1992. Kiss were like just a relic of the past, because at that time you were knee deep in grunge and alternative. They had taken over the world and pretty much the only bands that were surviving in any way were bands that were already huge were Metallica and Guns N' Roses. In this era, Kiss was they 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 survived a little bit off of Hot in the Shade and those hits, but at this time, a lot of people thought that what they were doing on Revenge was transparent. Whether or not it was is for you to decide. But with the look and the image, they thought that they were kind of just trying a little bit too hard. But that's okay. That's what bands do. But a lot of people thought that they were trying to fit in to this era, and it wasn't really uh, an honest record for them. Whereas the bands, like I mentioned, like Metallica and Guns N' Roses were kind of continuing what they would do. And although Metallica fans might say that they weren't being honest to their fans either with the Black Album, but we'll save that. The album went number six. To me, that's even bigger than how the other future albums like Sonic Boom, Monster, and all of them went to three and two. Because albums, CDs and stuff were being purchased then. And this went all the way up to number six. Mm -hmm. There's a couple other like... um, Songs, albums, you know, songs that didn't make the album. There's the one that's kind of out there. Do you want to touch me now? Yep. Uh, with uh, Paul did with uh, the guy from Skid Row, Dave the Snake there, Sabo. And he did something with Janie Lane from Warrant. If you could see through my eyes. We're not going to get into that stuff in the demos for that. So we can save it for a future episode, things like that. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, you kind of mentioned it, Tom. It's a new look. It's a new title, um, a new attitude, new drummer. The first blonde guy in Kiss. Yes. Um, and I just want to start with the one thing that, you know, Bruce says, and I believe I saw this in Behind the Mask. Uh, Crazy Night was Nevison's trip. Hot in the Shade was a compromise between Gene and Paul's demos. Revenge is the best of everything. Oh, Bruce Kulik loves this album, and he should. And believe me, I was going to save this, but since we're talking about Bruce, go back. Listen to our hundredth episode with Bruce and Chris Jericho. We do a Bruce Kulik draft. Bruce talks about pretty much every song on this album. He has unbelievably fond memories of the recording of this album, the touring and the album itself. And he should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Damon, Jamie St. James and Tommy Thayer provide some backing vocals on this album. Mm-hmm. As well, yep. there's a couple ghost players on this and we'll get to them when they get onto the album. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. As, as always with these things, kiss can't just do something for themselves. They always yep. got to fucking bring somebody in and that's because of their fucking producer, which annoys the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. However, in an addition, they also bring back fellow former member 
and legendary Three's Company actress Joyce DeWitt comes back for this episode. Unbelievable. Joyce DeWitt and Private Cusano make an appearance <laughs> on Revenge. Yeah. And Vin- Vinny, even in, even in the book Behind the Mask, Vinny says that they ran into Gene and Paul. Talked about doing some uh, some things together. And of course, Gene doesn't have very fond memories because he's like, we made an agreement. We would do songs. We would write songs. And of course, Vinny reneged on his deals, blah, 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 blah. But let's be let's be serious. Vinny's contributions as a songwriter cannot be denied. They can't be. The guy has something in him where he can put together a fucking killer kiss track. Just awesome, awesome stuff. Great chemistry with uh, Gene and Paul. The thing that I would probably add about them and uh, bringing Vinny back is Gene talks about that. Vinny convinced him because he apologized in front of people. So sorry. I didn't mean to do this. I like he was like seen so genuine in front of other people. That's the old past. Believe me, I've changed is new. And he goes, as soon as the album was over, the old Vinny came back. And he sued us like 13, 14 times and lost. Um, and then Persona Nagrata. And then since that time, Paul and Gene have both been like, fuck you. Until Gene brought him back for the vault again. And they yep. were cool. And then Vinny went back out on a fucking, I don't know, radio show or podcast and was like, Gene was so mean to me. He was acting like he was doing me a favor. Mm hmm. He was. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. And some interesting comments from uh, the band's manager at that time, Larry Mazer. Uh, some great comments in the book we always talk about behind the mask. Great stuff here where he says, uh, listen, we have to bring back the Prince of Darkness. That is what risk, real Kiss fans want. Larry says, when I was interviewed to be their manager, I said to them, if I'm going to do this, this is what has to happen. Gene, no more Simmons records. No more managing Liza Minnelli. No more sticking your tongue out on stage because people don't care about that anymore. With makeup, it's one thing, but without it, you look like an old man. We've got to take this to the next level. Gene Simmons has to come back and be a member of KISS. And he said that they had to start with a Gene track, and it's got to be, quote unquote, a metal radio track. So Larry Mazer was instrumental in creating what makes this album what it is, a very hard rocking metal borderline album heavy on the gene demon stuff and it's a great part in this and we could have waited or got into it when the when we go into the individual songs where he says to him yeah and domino should be the next and then gene like it's like no no we can't do that to paul exactly and you know and this is what i want to say to gene paul would fucking do to you and he's been doing it for you for years he's been doing it for the last 10 years dude yeah. there ain't no gene single here fuck that they're yep. all my songs Yep. If he felt that he put on better material, fuck Gene. I don't care what he thinks. Gene, your material is better than Paul's. Yeah, but let's let Paul go. Yep. Always yep. way more gracious than he's ever received by Paul. Yeah. The, the, the Larry, Larry Mazur says, why? And Gene says, we have to keep the peace. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because I am partners with the most sensitive man Yep. In all of history. That's why. Exactly. Exactly. And the band is not paying for more therapy sessions for Mr. Stanley. No. (laughs) 
And before we finally get into the tracks, one last thing, and that is the elephant in the room. And that is unfortunate passing of Eric Carr and the torch being passed to Eric Singer. Yeah. uh, You know, we talk about this and how, you know, Eric is how beloved he is. And, you know, he was sick. Uh, they, They had Eric Singer come in and play with them a little bit on, on the God gave rock and roll to you. Uh, they thought that Eric could rest and get healthy uh, and eventually come back to the band. Unfortunately, we know what happened. God rest his soul. Eric Carr passed and Eric Singer took over at that point. Eric Singer had played with Paul on Paul's solo tour back in the late 80s. So Paul had a relationship with him at the time. It wasn't meant to be a permanent thing. Uh, and a, and a, a, of course, you know, the tragedy struck and Eric Carr passed with gave Eric Singer uh, the seat behind the drums for, uh, for that era. Yeah. What you had was Eric was obviously like you saying he was in Paul's band. And then when he's on the coast, he's having uh, Paul play on Paul's demos for the album. Yep. And so it's kind of, look, we'll save it for an episode, but you know, Eric's cars, constant like worrying that i'm gonna lose my place i'm gonna lose my place and yep. that guy's gonna replace me yep uh, i you know we talk about the the big what ifs would he have if eric exactly. lived right right um i'll we'll save that for a different episode and uh but for to me it, it's huge eric Carr was loved loved and uh, all of a sudden, you got Eric Singer, who is really respected and very much liked in the rock community. But he's got some big shoes to fill. And, you know, at this time, I don't think the fans really knew the background story of the, of the kind of tension between Paul, Gene, yep. and the Carr family, and yep. the tension of Eric, you know, about his role in the band and Eric Singer coming in. All we thought of was like, oh, you know, we lost Eric, but the band needs to continue. Oh, they got Eric Singer. He's a great drummer and he looks like he fucking fits in. Great. The the music will live on. Right. We didn't know the story behind there. And I thought Eric Singer, you know, did the best he could. He fucking had to replace Eric Carr. He's had to replace Peter Chris. Not easy for a guy to do all this shit. Yeah, and you're right. Without the without the benefit of the internet back then, we didn't understand the timeline about how Eric Singer was already helping the band out a little bit while Eric Carr was sick. And now we took over, like you said, we just thought that there was a terrible tragedy which within the band, which there was, and then Eric Singer took over. Now we know the story of it, and depending on who you talk to, the stories may vary, but we're not going to get into the politics of the story. We're going to stick to the facts of the story. Yeah. As we're talking about this we're getting a text from the lovely carrie stevens that is what amazing a what is, a coincidence that is amazing um, she's uh she's on monsters of rock i think she hosts that from time to time so when she is go listen to it obviously not now but it's uh yeah uh we love carrie and uh as we can see above her text tom is one of those awesome photos that she had sent us uh with her and eric above yep. and it yep. just you know, it's uh, it, it's one of those things. Do you do we look back on this as bittersweet, sad, optimistic? Um, what do you think when you hear like God gave rock and roll to you? Are you saddened? Are you inspired? Do you 
you know, all this going into uh, this album, I choose yep. to look at it as like we're empowered. Revenge. We're yes. back. Fuck cancer. Fuck this. We're yep. going to rock. And, you know, we love Eric and this is dedicated to him. And that's why this album is a fucking kick-ass album. Absolutely. This is dedicated to a fucking kick-ass person yep. like Eric Carr. Yep. With that being said, Tom, you want to start it off with a fucking kick-ass song or what? Track number one. Here we go. unholy what can you say about this song um all right well i'll start this to me is by far this is me the demon gene song you got god of thunder you got war machine you got all these songs this right here is gene it has now kiss is not a riff band Okay, they're not a riff band. They're not like Sabbath. They're not like Metallica. They have one of the greatest hard rock metal riffs ever in this song, only to probably compete with something like War Machine. They're not a riff band. And what do you know? Both of these riff based songs are heavy demon gene songs. Fucking perfect. Perfect. The Bruce solo is insane. He's on fire on this entire album. We talked about that when we had him on for that 100th episode. I already referenced that. Um, just unbelievable stuff going on in this song. I mean, we could talk about it forever. The chorus, just the verses. I know some people say Gene lays it on a little thick with the demonic lyrics, but again, it's 92. It's the return of the demon. The name of the song is Unholy, so everything that he's saying and singing, I'm on board with it. Fucking perfect song. Just can't get enough of this. I listen to it. I listen to this album all the time anyways, and this song right here is just, oh. I mean, and he got some help from Vinny writing it too, so there you go. Unholy, written by Gene Simmons and Vinny Vincent. So uh, do you think Vinny is, uh, makes good songs with Kiss? What do you think? He's, that's what I'm saying. He's undeniable. Yep, absolutely. Now, this is technically the second single because God Gave Rock and Roll, though, to the soundtrack. Correct. Is on this album. Yep. Uh, it didn't chart for some reason. Yep, which is insane. Yeah, a guy named Jesse Damon from Silent Rage, who's a Gene Simmons uh, Simmons Records uh, band guy, uh, did, provided backing vocals on this. Gene says that it's based on "Keep Me Waiting." I from, don't get that at I'm all. I'm like listening to him, like where where's the "Keep Me Waiting" in this? I, I have no idea. 
Uh, Vinny suggested a number of changes, and I came up with the chorus, in- including some great lyrics. Uh, I think he's attributing that comment to, to Vinny, some great lyric ideas. Yep. Uh, you know, there's the Ezrin buildup in this. Oh. The lyrics are the demon is back. The fucking chorus. Unholy. Oh my yeah, God. I am created by man. I am the Lord of the flat. That it just yep. fucking rocks. The solo by Bruce. Oh. The scream at the end by Gene. Yep. Right. Um, he says he got the idea to Unholy from Adam Mitchell's song that he written with Doro Pesh. Yep. And sung like Unholy Love or something like that. Um, I, I never heard of it, but. The song is just so different in so many ways. Heavy, dark, demon-like, and the first fucking real single from the album in first real video. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen since I Love It Loud. I Love It Loud. That's right. right? Yep. It just blew us all away. Yeah. It's a fucking tragedy they don't play this live anymore don't even get me going i was going to save that for the end but it does make it to uh a live uh three Mm -hmm. for some reason there's some story that it's very difficult to play live i've heard that as well baseline or something like that and sing i don't know but unfortunately they don't play it live yeah there is this (laughs) story uh and i I told you about it tom you weren't really familiar with it this is awesome so Apparently, there's um, uh, Steve uh, Wright's favorite all-time band, Danger, Danger. Um, uh, there's a story of their lead singer, Ted Poley. And uh, I read about it one point, uh, one point a while back about like it was him and something in Paul Stanley. I'm like, what the hell happened between those two guys? Well, I'm going to read to you what I got this off of sleazerock.com. Uh, they told here's the story, how it goes. In 1992, Danger Danger was very hot on an MTV video countdown, a fact that helped land us, I guess this is Ted saying, opening slot in the UK leg of a revenge tour. The very first night we put on a kiss, a kick ass over the top show during which I've even tossed three towels on uh, out into the crowd. Immediately after the performance, I ran off stage in my arena playing hyper psych state of mind, not quite looking where I was going. Let's face it. Didn't really matter because I just opened for kiss. The next thing I knew, my head was bumping into something yet hard, slightly fuzzy. I look up to find Gene Simmons from kiss. <laughs> Grinning back at me from above. As it turns out, I just smashed face first into his lower chest area, which tells you just how tall the guy is or how short I am, if you prefer. Upon looking down, Gene's first words to me were, that was a really great show. You owe me $18. Gene is a nice guy, but he can be very intimidating and he loves to scare people. I wasn't quite sure what to say in response, so I said nothing at all. Gene must have noticed the puzzled look on my face because he repeated himself. You owe me $18. He then continued. You tossed out three towels. Those towels cost $6 each. Those were my towels. And I want you to pay for them personally, not your tour manager. You. I was in shock. I felt ashamed. One of my gods was punishing me. Gene waited in that very spot until I 
went into my wallet and pulled out my last $20, my only $20, and I paid him for the towels. While pocketing my per diem food money, he smiled at me and said, feel free to keep tossing out as many towels as you can afford to pay for yourself. I immediately got the point. I was the new kid in town, and I shouldn't be trying to steal the show. A valuable lesson learned from the low cost of only $18. Though I had already been nervous about meeting the members of KISS before my encounter with Gene, but now I was absolutely terrified. I was so scared. Not only could I not bring myself to speak to them, I couldn't even look at them in the eyes when they came near me. Whenever someone from KISS was around, I would simply put my head down and keep walking. One night after I said I was backstage walking down the corner, corridor toward our dressing room when suddenly Paul Stanley entered from the other end. When I saw him approaching, I really wanted to say hello and introduce myself, but I got starstruck and lost my nerve. So I ended up just looking down at my shoes, walking past without saying anything. But when I got to the end of the hallway, I heard Paul belting out my name at the top of his lung to the tune of their new single, Unholy. The words and melody just fit perfectly. Ted Poley. <laughs> I don't care if this sounds lame, but that was one of the greatest Moments of my life. Three Gene Simmons towels, $18. Suing Sony several years later, a few million bucks. Paul Stanley singing my name at the top of his lungs, priceless. That's so amazing. That is awesome. Love it. Danger, danger still sucks, though, Steve. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> Ed Pole. Oh, my God. All right. Let's talk about this video now. Oh. <laughs> So there's some great stuff about this video in uh, Greg Prado's amazing book, Take It Off, Kiss Truly Unmasked. And check out our previous episode with Greg uh, when he was on here. He did a long form interview with Paul Rackman, who is the director of Unholy, I Just Wanna, and Domino. And this guy also directed videos for Alice in Chains, Temple of the Dog, and Pantera. Um, So it was interesting how they talked about the making of the video Uh, the details of the video. And if you've seen the video, you know what we're talking about. If you haven't go on YouTube, it's, I think it's for the time it was pretty crazy and menacing and kick-ass and badass. Now in hindsight, 2021, you're like, all right, I get it. You know, it's Gene and the band. They're, they're in like a, like a faded kind of gray, black and white kind of thing. Gene looks super demonish. And then in the meantime, you've got a bunch of little kids, dancing around pentagrams, the shadow they cast on the wall. They're like demon children. Um, and of course the people were protesting at MTV, Christian protests for the kids to fucking relax with this. For God's sakes, a fucking kiss song. Um, <laughs> but the, the video, you know, Gene looks amazing. Paul's trying really hard with his little fucking crossed arms, oh. doing his little fucking dance move. there, and Doing his like, look, Ooh. Yeah, he's doing his ooh, look unholy. <laughs> I mean, I think Gene looks awesome, but then again, I'm a Gene guy, so what can I tell you? Uh, it begins with that ultrasound of the baby, and then and you see Bruce's fingers playing. Gene, you you first see this, like you remember, you remember what Gene looked like through the asylum, hot in the shade, crazy yeah. nights videos, and all of a sudden you see this Gene. Yep. What the fuck happened? His eyes are rolled back of his head, a goatee looking crazy, skull shirt, all in fucking black leather, black fingernails, heavy fucking goth jewelry, kids fucking menacing playing, looking like Nightmare to Elm on Elm Street, little children play like also the wing twins with the kid shadow looking like a demon. 
Oh, it's just fucking awesome. Awesome video for the time. Yeah, and, Absolutely. You know, Paul with the ooh, crossing his arm. Unholy. Yeah. When he's like, cross your heart and hope to die. And Paul's like, ooh, cross <laughs> my arm. Ooh, yeah. Um, what a way to kick off an album. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. So ready to go to the next one? Let's do it. So you start off with one of the all-time great Gene songs, and you go right into one of the all-time great Paul songs, which we talk about this a lot. Maybe, arguably, the lyrical height for Paul Stanley in Take It Off. I mean, this. first of all, the lyrics, yes, we'll talk about that. Musically, the song is fucking phenomenal. The chorus is amazing. The verses the way that this song just flows. But I got one small thing with this song. Oh. One tiny little thing that runs through this album. And it's the Bob Ezrin breakdown that he always finds the need to throw that into the song. This one, it's okay. It's okay. It, 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 it brings you back into the song. I get it. I know Ezrin loves to do that. I could probably do without it. But I get it. It fits in the song. It's okay. But Take It Off is just fucking phenomenal. The ultimate anthem for the stripper. Oh, fantastic. Take It Off. Written by Paul Stanley, Bob Ezrin, and Kane Roberts. It's an Alice Cooper guy there. Yep. Yep. For some reason, we're back to fucking Kevin Valentine on the drums. Read why. Well, apparently Eric was still on tour. Well, he was going on tour back with Alice Cooper and he didn't finish the track yet. So they're like, all right, just have Kevin do it or something like that. Yeah. 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 Eric's like, yeah, I was getting late. Like, what the fuck does that mean? He was getting late. Fucking tell Alice Cooper and his shitty band to, to wait. You're the fucking drummer and kiss. I don't give a shit what time it is. Yeah. 
Um, I've talked about this song a hundred times. It's the best Paul sleazy lyrics by far. Fucking makes sense. Ugh. Awesome. It works. The lyrics are fucking clever, cleverly sleazy, cheesy, just yep. the right amount of syrup. Yep. This is the trifecta. This, the other song on this album, and let's put the X in sex. And it's that fine line between these songs and bang, bang you and fucking read my body. Okay. Stop this mocking works. bang, bang. I like bang, bang you. This works. This song has the quintessential gene. And you know what I'm talking about? Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Those bass, bass picks. He must do this a million times in the sound, but that bass. It's, mm. it's awesome. It's so good. Mm. I thought I thought you were going to say in the middle of the song, he just goes, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's later on. It's yeah. in the middle of uh, every time I look every at you. I- so yeah. that bass line, I love the groovy Eric drumming. <laughs> the only time I kind of laugh is he needs some perspiration. <laughs> Pew. <laughs> Who needs some perspiration? Oh. Oh, settle down, star child. Yeah. Oh. Um, wave, <laughs> wave your panties in the air. Lick your lips and shake, shake your hair. Dude, we, you know what this reminds? It reminds us of the episode we talked about. And it, I think it was the barbecue backyard. Barbecue. Oh, yeah, it was. We talked and about this song. And we're talking about like, like you bring your neighbor over. Mrs. Johnson, the third grade fucking. <laughs> teacher that lives next door and you're like playing this song you're like yeah mrs johnson <laughs> then all of a sudden Wait, mrs johnson starts waving, waving her panties in the air <laughs> licking her lips and shake her hair and then someone goes Ooh, when you add a little oil <laughs> oh fucking song hey it's 11 30 my mind's getting dirty Ooh, yeah, Mrs. Johnson, shake that fat ass. Ooh. Oh, there's plenty of that more. Oh, most definitely. I like the repeat uh-huh throughout the whole chorus. Oh, I mean, yes. Throughout the whole song. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just it, there's little fucking brilliant lines in here that I think. Oh, it's okay? yeah. Little things like I've got nothing to lose but my money in my mind. Like when the guys literally, you know, the type. We've all been to bachelor parties. Oh, yeah. We've all been to strip clubs before in our life. I have yet to do one. I'm sorry. I'm one of those guys. I don't know if you are, Tom. I will refuse to go to a strip club by myself. I refuse oh, to be God, seen yeah. as a guy, the oh, no, only no. guy by himself. Uh, here's a no. dollar fifty. The, uh, the only time <laughs> I've ever been to a strip joint is for a bachelor party or, That's or buddies it. or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, but I refuse to be that guy. No. And, and that's what this is. That fucking lonely fucking shouting out loud cast fucking listener that we have a few of them that can't do without porn that fucking go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at you. Kiss, you have a kiss a woman on the lips. <laughs> yeah, that are like fall in love with these fucking strippers and they got nothing to lose but their money in their mind because they're fucking addicted to this shit. Yep, I, I love it. I love the Bruce fills before the solo and the solo was fucking great. I, on the other hand, on this song, I love the Ezrin breakdown on this one. And that is because it's like the lyrics overanalyzing. It's like you're in the fucking degenerate, the sexual degenerates brain. Yeah. Yeah. 
bring your body closer. I want to be, you want to be my fantasy. I know you're dancing just for me. Yeah. 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 In the line that I always say, I used to always think it says her panties say, and your pants say just for me. Yeah. Like it's just, and then all of a sudden, take it off. And the guitar is just playing the build. I fucking love that. I think that's fucking brilliant. And then Paul, yeah. And then they back, take it off. And then Bruce fucking ripping on the guitar at the end. Um, Paul says that the song, he wanted to write a song for strip clubs. Um, It is a great song for strip clubs. I think every strip club should be fucking playing this song. Of course. I don't know whether that means like, you know, Motley Crue just did girls, girls, girls. We can do something like that. Pretty but much. That's a little bit too long ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. Eric, uh, I, I talked about earlier, Eric left because he was leaving for the Alice tour. So that's why Kevin Valentine jumped in. Uh, I love the Kiss Confidential oh. version of this. I oh love that God. it's on a live three. Yes. On the European version. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me going about how we get screwed out of this in the US uh, version. Of course. How many of you like looking at naked women? Ooh. Not me, sir. Uh, I'm here for the music only. Thank yeah. you. How many of you like looking at boobies? Uh, me. <laughs> I, I like them. Oh, it's so like, dude, oh, projection. I don't know what it is, but like. You're, you're saying this way too much for a guy that gets laid as much as you do. Yep. You don't sound like somebody that doesn't act like you've been there before, son. Pretty much. <laughs> right. Son. And the, uh, you know, I talked about the kiss alive three different version. And then remember the video and all of a sudden the three girls come out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. One of them's in white. She looks yes. like, she looks like fook me. <laughs> fook you. Fook me. Your name is fook me. Oh, behave, baby. (laughs) And at the end, there's one that's in red. She looks like fat Elizabeth shoe. And then there's a hot one in the zebra outfit. Oh, that's the best. Dude, fat Elizabeth shoe. (laughs) What's the problem with any of that right there? She's a little, she's a little chunky. Well, you know, she's a little bit fat in the ass there. They're thinking of of another song on this album. We'll get to it. And in the video, in the concert footage, Paul like grabs Fukumi by the hair when she's oh, like, yeah. dancing near to Jean. Yeah. Like, pulls her by her hair next to him. Could you imagine that happening now? Holy fucking look how you're treating women. Is that I, I can't believe somebody would do that to the woman in mm, this you, day and age. Yeah, you did it. Yeah. Oh my God. He wouldn't get away with doing that to fuck me now. Oh God, no. Oh, and the fucking girl in the zebra outfit. Insane. Oh, show yep smoke show anyways let's tell you a gene uh bass pick slide to the next track Mm. Let me treat you 
All right, so we got Tough Love. So this song tends to take a beating. Some people say it's a, a filler, a plotting song or whatever. So after listening to this, here's the problem with this song. The chorus is horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. I think the song is okay. I think it's got a, a little bit of a gritty kind of riff and a groove to it. You know, it, it's it's more of a dramatic Paul song. Uh, but the chorus is just when they when they do the the gang vocals of the tough love like it's just wicked corny. It's just real real cheesy kind of shit. And this is another the song is another Ezrin breakdown that I don't really think fits the way that the one in Take It Off fits. Um, it's kind of unnecessary. I mean, look, I'll just say this right now. I love the sound of this album in general, the production of it, the drums, the way the guitars and bass sound. So. Everything on this album, I enjoy listening to some more than others. Tough Love. I'm not going to try to convince you it's a great song, but I don't think it's as bad as some people when they bring up Revenge. It's just got a really, really the chorus is so bad. It makes it memorable to me. Tough Love written by Paul Stanley, Bruce Kulick, Bob Ezrin. Bruce plays bass on this track. Tom. Yeah. Yep. No Gene. Uh, I think it's a second rate heart of Chrome. If you listen yeah, to the I beginning agree. and you I agree. play, you're like, oh, it's the same song. Oh, no, it doesn't. Then it yep. changes. That's, the, that's um, the problem with it. Yeah. It's got a little bit of a love gun drum thing going on between the verses. Uh, the solo's decent. I like the outro Bruce does at the end. And yeah. Bruce did write the main riff of this song. It's just oh. funny that when we had him on, yep. and we did the draft. And I'm like, oh, that song is brutal. And he was like. Dude, I wrote that song. Oh my god! I thought. <laughs> I, like, oh, oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Bruce. That was that was that was a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> so, Tom, a little bit of a sneak peek here. I mean, yeah, I fucking love all the tracks here. This is going to be one of those. Something's going to be at the top. Something's going to be in the bottom. Doesn't yep. mean the bottom's bad. So it's just for me on this. This is one of the weaker tracks. Yep, agreed. Okay. <laughs> Got no manners and I'm not too clean But I know what I like If you know what I mean What do people say Well, mister, can't you see It don't mean spit to me things to talk about here first I'll, I'll start with the lyrics lyrically this is why we listen to kiss okay lyrically the song is 
fucking amazing. It's hilarious. It's stupid. It's funny. But musically, the fucking song absolutely kicks ass. If you if you stop listening to the lyrics and you stop talking about the bigger the cushion, the better the pushing and all that shit. Musically, the song is awesome. You can tell by the sound of Gene that he is having a blast singing this. He's having a fun time singing this song. And it's got dual vocals with Paul. What is better than that? My God, when Paul jumps in, it's fucking amazing. Okay. Then you got Bruce jumping in there with a solo, throwing in the Star Spangled Banner. You're like, what the fuck is that? I don't know, but it's amazing. I love it. And then one of my favorite things, the little things that make a song memorable. As the song is wrapping up at the end, Gene just screams out, take it, Bruce. (laughs) And Bruce just keeps noodling on like for an outro soul. I just think it's a really fun song. Lyrically, yes, it's ridiculous. But I think it's a I think it's a deep cut that I think people get caught up in the most definitely. There's a lot more to this song than that. Spit written by Gene Simmons, Scott Van Zen and Paul Stanley. I love guitar. Stop. Gene. Then music. Mm. Love that shit. Love the tapping by Eric in the background. Gene's scatting there. I was going to wait for you to get that when he's like, he's going to do David Lee Roth, just the gigolo. Oh my God. The scat is hilarious. Uh, And then the most famous thing that me and you talk about this song constantly, the bigger the cushion, the better the pushing. Most definitely. <laughs> that was perfect. That was a real good deep one. I need to I need to clip that, Tom, for in the future. Uh-oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> why what why does he do it that way? What? And then I love when Paul just jumps in. I need big hips, sweet lips. Dude, Make a man that is, me. That is that is gene stuff. We've all heard the legendary stories of Gene picking up fat chicks all the time. But then like, then you get the little things where Paul's jumping in. So like, because what you are is what you eat. Oh, settle. Relax. Yeah, relax. You eat anything. I'm going to eat your, your pussy. <laughs> I'm going to eat your vagina. <laughs> it's time for cunnilingus. <laughs> <laughs> Connie who? Connie Lingus? Is there a Connie Lingus here? <laughs> By the way, that's a great point. That's a great time to thank everybody who tagged us in that school board meeting <laughs> yeah, where the guy mean. got pranked by all the friggin' the, the friggin' the names. <laughs> Fill my pockets. Up next, I leaned over. <laughs> you want to speak to a man like pepperoni? Uh, anyways, <laughs> the whole Zep influence, whole lot of love, whole oh, lot yeah. of woman, yeah. black dog, black dog, radar for love. Like, let's be blunt here. Are yeah. we 14 years old? The bigger the cushion, the better the pushing. It's so That's, awesome. How famous is that line been when we were growing up as kids? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, b- before this album even existed, people knew that. Oh, my God. Of course they did. <laughs> what you are is what you eat. Settle down, Stanley Eisen. 
It's so funny. I love it. I love yeah. it. You mentioned the Sp- Star Spangled Banner and the guitar solo, Tom. It's like so typical Ezrin shit. Then solo, that Ezrin breakdown, then the yep. solo. Because <laughs> this is a line in there that says, because meatless girls don't satisfy me. What? That is such a great. That's what I'm saying. The lyrics carry it themselves, but music, the song, I love it. I love it. The one thing you can say about Paul, and even though last week I played the clip about the rumors of Paul's sexuality. No, I don't think he's gay, but no, that that, that Paul Stanley ever seen. <laughs> no, no. Is that what he does? That what he does? <laughs> Paul Stanley. <laughs> You're doing that British accent. Ever seen him sucking up? <laughs> you have to have your glasses real low, look half dead on the couch and go, oh, is that what he does? Is that what he does? Dude, if someone said to me, seriously, your partner Tom, have you ever eat him, seen him eat ass in a fucking men's fucking bathhouse? No. Like, no. Is that what he does? <laughs> Man, how pissed would you be at me? I said, is that what he does? No, I go, get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> is that what he does? <laughs> oh my God. But anyways, oh. the one thing I wanted to say about Paul Stanley, the, the, despite the fucking feminine manner he does stuff and the rumors and shit, he is not someone that has taste of what you would call heavy set women. No. He is oh, always no. with beautiful Fit, thin yep. women. Always. Yep. <laughs> this is Gene's fucking oh, totally. These are Gene lies. But hearing Paul talk about meatless girls, don't, dude. Paul Stanley ain't picking up fat checks. No. He no, ain't. no. 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 That's that's a Gene earmarked all over it. Yep. Mm. You'll take her. I'll take the hyena. <laughs> What's that from? Uh, shallow hell. Shallow hell. Goes, yeah, oh, I got her. So you mean you got the fucking hy- the giraffe and the hyena? <laughs> That's fucking no way is that, Paul. Anyways, the other part, you mentioned it that I fucking love. Take it, Bruce. I love that. Oh, my God. Do yep. I love that? Yep. Um, you know, Gene says he does. It don't mean spit. It's supposed to be like shit. Uh, a ripoff of a Fleetwood Mac song called Green Menelishi mm-hmm. added lyrics from an old Gene song called <laughs> I can't What My that. Uncle is a Raft Mongoloid Man. <laughs> <laughs> Mongo- That's on his fucking what do you call it? Box is vault. Yeah. yeah. Mongoloid Man. Dude, that word. You know what, you know what be- clip I'm putting in is this. Yeah. My real passion is my hobby. Really? What's that? I work with retards. Isn't that a little politically um incorrect? No. The hell with that. No one's going to tell me who I can and can't work with, right? No, I mean... We got this one kid, Mongo. He's got a forehead like a drive-in movie theater, but he's a good shit. So we don't bust his chops too much. It's a good shit. <laughs> it's a good shit. So, you know, <laughs> we leave him alone. Oh. He's got a fucking forehead like a driver. <laughs> oh, God almighty. We're going to we're going to be we're going to be here a while. Mongoloid man. Oh. I think that's what Peter Chris said about Ace when he first met him. 
that he thought he was like he thought he was a mongoloid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, is that what I am? Who fucking uses terminology like that? Oh, oh Mongoloid man. Guys, a song I wrote. Mongoloid man. <laughs> you can all sing along. <laughs> Next track. Okay, so we're here with God Gave Rock and Roll to You 2 is the official name. So the song is from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's a cover for by uh, Argent. We did the original uh, Kiss, made it a little bit more famous and popular. Look, over the years, this song has grown on me. I'm not going to say that I like the song, but... I think for me, I think the I think I enjoy the song more thinking about Eric and the stories about Eric, uh, about how badly he wanted to perform in the video that he had to wear a wig because the poor soul was losing his hair from his cancer treatments. And, you know, he played his ass off, um, you know, so when I see stuff like that, you know, it kind of makes me enjoy the song a little bit more. Um, I have memories as a Kiss fan of going to the concerts. They play this as the as the lights come on and the crowd is kind of filtering out of the arena. Um, so it, it's the song is OK. You know, Paul gets a little carried away with the preaching at the end, you know, and all that. But that that that's the song. Um, you know, it, it's OK. The video is is pretty cool. Well, you know, we'll, I'll wait for Zeus and then we'll, we'll talk about the video a little bit more in detail. So. Uh, God gave rock and roll to you too. It's written by Russ Ballard, who's got so many great songs not sung by him. Uh, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, and Bob Ezrin. It went up to the U.S. mainstream rock charts to number twenty-one, obviously on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and they did the old Wood, um, Big Empty, like soundtrack shit throw it on the next album we do let's yep. put it on there yep um and same like dream warriors which we just discussed on our arc back for the attack Dokken album yep um paul says no one knows what that argent version is about let's keep the chorus and rewrite the lyrics yep. uh first single to feature co-leads since i that's amazing wow yeah uh, Gene says it's not just a cover for a soundtrack, but a testament to Eric Carr, 
I think a lot of people don't realize that. Love the solo for Bruce in the beginning. Opening chorus, uh, Gene and Paul, two-song duet on this album, like The Elder, Bob Ezrin. Hint, is that why? Right? You had I, Only You, other songs like Under the Rose. Nobody fucking comes up to the idea, hey, why don't you guys trade lyrics off like you did on Shout It Out Loud? Right? They really take Bob to sit there and go, fans would love that shit. Here we have it again uh, where they do this. Typical Ezrin breakdown again. Paul recalls one of the best things we ever did, calls it. Uh, best in worst of times. Best working with Bob again and worse because of Eric. The talking part at the end. I know. Oh, God, yeah. That can be rough. You know, and then um, the only other thing I'll add is, uh, like you, Tom, it has grown on me because, you know, if you as you realize – you know, that middle part, God gave rock and roll um, in that soft part. Yeah. That in the background, you, I always find myself now listening for the Eric part. Me too. To everyone. He gave a song to be sung. So yep. when you hear that. That's Eric. It, it brings the thoughts of like, here's a dying man doing whatever he can to try to get his voice on there. Um, it, it reminds me of uh, a little. A, I'm not going to go on too much of a detour of the temptations and the guy in the band that was called Paul Williams. He was dying as well. And he got his voice on for one little part. If you remember in just my imagination, there's a part where it's not Eddie Kendricks. It's like every night on my hands, I pray. They just gave him that one line before he died. And that stayed with that song. It's like haunting. This part is like haunting to me that this is Eric's last thing of the band. Obviously, Eric Singer played on this track, but he was part of the backing vocals and did that part. And then he, you know, mustering up the courage. Fuck this. I'm going to be in the video. And, and, he, and he plays his ass off. He learns the song and he, and he goes nuts in the video. And, and, and that's really the last of it. And it, it, it's bittersweet. But I think of this song and I do. I was explaining this to my daughter as literally today, driving her to school, this played. And I told her, and she's like, dad, this is sad. Why are you telling me this before I go to school? I'm like, no, don't look at it as sad. Look at it as like the power of, you know, rock and roll that, you know, God gave rock and roll to Eric and he gave that to everybody else. And it's a positive thing. It's not the negative. You, you're empowered by him in stuff and you don't think of it in a sad way. It's not a, Sad. It's an uplifting song. It's and that's how I, I choose to to listen to this. And uh, because of that, uh, although I would normally beat this song down because it's whatever, that Eric part of it makes me always kind of like, yeah, out of respect, I'm listening to this. Yeah, I agree. And and the thing that's even more haunting is that him doing those harmonies. But you you also I always come back to like the title of the song. You know, he's not just singing, you know, it's not, you know, heart of chrome or paralyzed or whatever. It, you know, it's God gave rock and roll to you and you and you have. You know, the the harmonies of a man who's sick and, and who is unfortunately going to pass away from the horrible disease that we know is cancer. And, you know, as a kiss fan and as a fan, as a music fan, as a human being, it's 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 a it is a sad song, like your daughter says, but. If you try to look at it and, in, and enjoy it for what it is, it's it's, it's Eric's memory is he is there forever with this song. And uh, I think just 
those kinds of things make me appreciate it a little bit more, even if it's not a song I listen to all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, let's move on to the next track. It's just as serious. Let me tell you my story. I've got a man-sized predicament. And it's a big one. Goes like this. Yeah. So you get Domino, very catchy, killer groove. You know, it's got the with the music's kind of, uh, you know, a little laid back with Gene singing. Then it kicks in. It's got a killer solo by Bruce. Um, the song is OK. You know, I, I you know, again, again, the, the Gene is on full display on Revenge, you know, and it's showing all sides of him. It's showing the demon. It's showing the playful side, the filthy side of him. Um Cool song, you know. I mean, really, when that bitch bends over, hey, come on, Gene, fucking relax with that. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's popular and it's it's a you know it's a it was a hit for a reason. You know, it's a song that people know, and uh, I've always been a fan of it. Yeah, Domino, written by Gene Simmons alone. It's actually the third single, Tom. Yep, it made it to mainstream rock number twenty six. Gene plays uh, rhythm guitar on it. So there's no real Paul playing on this song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is that song, Nasty Nasty by Black and Blue. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. literally the rip off of that, which I think Gene produced that album. Produced that album. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Gene says he tried to copy Deuce, saying it was almost a rap. Uh, he demoed it with his Silent Rage, another Simmons record. We talked about them earlier. The demo is actually on the box set. And if you notice the first lyrics of the song, besides, let me tell you my story. Those lyrics are reversed Yep. on the actual um, uh, box set demo. It sounds like a little hot for teacher in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, not an old enough to vote gene. It's one thing when you did that in the seventies, what are you doing that in the nineties about chicks? Now you're even fucking older. What do you need a fake ID for? <laughs> So I can vote. <laughs> the solo is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And I love how he says it. They call me Domino. Yeah. <laughs> A Domino. Domino. <laughs> so <No>. Domino. <laughs> domino, motherfucker. 
Did you just go <laughs> so fine, so fine, most definitely. Now, can we talk about the ridiculous video? Well, the other line is in there as famous as when that bitch bends over. He ain't saying that shit now. No, he ain't. Yeah. And he admits the song sounds very ZZ Topish. Yeah. Um, let's get to the video. Well, again, in Greg Prado's book, Take It Off, Kiss Truly Unmasked. The video director, not happy with this video. Uh, he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do with the song. You know, what the, if it was telling a story and what that story was. So the video has a mix of, of the band playing like on a little soundstage. And then, of course, the famous thing of Gene cruising around in a, in a, in a car, you know, with his little drink, checking out the lady getting gas and all this stuff. It's, it's a fun video. Um, it's funny because when I'm watching the video, Paul looks extremely bored during this video. Like that caught my eye. It's like he's kind of like half-assing it. Like he knows the video isn't great or he knows that it's a Gene song that people are going to gravitate to. And he's like, ah, I guess I'll be here. But that kind of caught my eye. Like, I don't know, maybe it was just a crooked man face that was kind of turning me off. But uh, but it's, it's a fun video. Gene looks all right. He's having a good time. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Gene is driving around. The band's playing without him. Yep. Gene gets pulled over by a cop for a minute. Gene's playing. Uh, Paul is playing rhythm guitar in this in the beginning of the video. And then all of a sudden he's got Gene's fucking Punisher bass. Yep. Which is the strangest thing I've ever seen. Paul playing bass in this. Gene sees a young girl and smiles. Then her parent looks his way. Gene with a shake in his hand. Then they show him going through the drive through afterwards. Afterwards. Yeah. And then a homeless guy is washing his window. Uh, he sniffs his bag gets the food. What the fuck was that? Oh my like, God. Looks at it. Did you spit in this? <laughs> spit. Um, a, 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 excuse me. He knocks on the fucking drive through window. I asked for 2.5 ketchup packages <laughs> in this. Those are missing. Where are my sanitized wrap uh, <laughs> napkins supposed to uh, I don't see them in here. Yep. I could to- imagine what a nightmare it must be to have Gene pick- go through a drive-thru. No. No. <laughs> Pain in the ass. You. You. Fr- fry later, man. My fries seemed undercooked. More salt, please. <laughs> and then the the video actually shows him mouthing, do it. Do it. Yes. Which is very unnoticeable if you're listening to the track. You don't yes. pick up on it as much. Yeah, you, but then you it, notice then it, it more. Makes the, you like, yep. yep. And then Gene gets gas and sees the chicks and smiles and scares her. And then, you know, some of the words change in the video when that girl bends over. Oh, yeah. And got to have it all instead of got me by the balls. Mm-hmm. Little, little subtleties change. Paul looks weird. He looks like one of those members from fucking like Skid Row. Or yep. faster pussycats, the way his hair is done. The way his hair looks, is. Yeah, he looks like a sleazy, like, yeah. fucking, like, little short fucking guitar play, like those guys. Yep. And those Skid Row slash fucking uh, faster pussycat guys. Um, but overall, the song is, the fucking video is ridiculous. How Rockstar isn't showing a guy going to drive through drinking a shake. And trying to gas and trying to pick up underage chicks. <laughs> Not good. This is what the fans think a rock star is. I love that the video director was like, yeah, this video is not good. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine at the time? Like, 
Hold on, uh, Pearl Jam, Eddie Vetta sitting down, hanging out with fucking Chris Cornell and Kirk Cobain. Yeah, maybe our video's coming up. Hold on. Hey, this is Kiss. What, what the fuck is this? <laughs> well, you don't want to you don't want to see a rock star go through the drive through and get a shake or do it in reverse order. See him with the shake, then see him at the drive through picking up 16 year old girls. Yeah, uh, maybe not. Anyway, let's go to the next track. Heart of Chrome. People talk about this kind of in the same vein as Tough Love. They give this one much more credit because it's a better song, which it is. Cool groove, cool riff. Um, the chorus is kind of interesting here because you got the gang vocals kind of carrying, you know, you got a Heart of Chrome, and then you got Paul being like like squealing and screaming, saying his own stuff, while you got the gang vocals carrying the 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 main focal point of the chorus, which I think is kind of interesting. I think it kind of makes it unique and different. Uh, I love listening to jilted fucked over Paul. Like you don't hear that ever in a kiss mm-hmm. song, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's kind of an interesting take. It's a downer of a song. You know, it's definitely not the upbeat song, but there's a couple on here on this album. It kind of gives you a little bit of everything. Um, so the, the song is okay. It's, it's not exactly what I want to hear from Paul. Um, but it's okay. It's got another Ezrin breakdown that I think this breakdown is not good. Um, but the song is okay. Again, Bruce carrying it with another unbelievable solo, but this is another song that that's okay for me, but it's still, it's still kiss on revenge. So I'm going to listen to it. Heart of Chrome written by Paul Stanley, Vinnie Vincent, Bob Ezrin, um, opening similar to tough love. The lyrics on this are fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yep. Um, there's they're clever. Yeah. It's kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, since you screwed me, you've been on my mind. The chorus is extremely complex. It really is. All sorts of moving parts. Yep. I looked at the lyrics just to you know familiarize myself again with the whole song and everything. Uh, there's so much of it I never picked up on. And when I hear that chorus over again, you guys look at the chorus, read the lyrics, 
and reach each what everybody's saying in it. What everybody's saying. It's very complex. Different people are singing different parts. The lyrics are all over the place, but they all make sense. Yep. Um, Paul's yeah when he does it. Yeah. So good. That is the fucking commercial. Remember he was. Remember I think it was Murph that pointed it out to us. That fucking. I think it was a truck commercial and Paul's yes. Over. Yep. yep. He'd go yeah. Yep. And I think it was Murph that showed us, right? I think it was. That sounds yeah, right. That's the famous Paul. Yeah. Uh, typical Ezrin after the solo again, the bridge. You get that love gun drum again. Um, I, I, like I said, I love the fucking lyrics on him uh, on this. Bruce says they were working on a song um, uh, called Chrome Heart, him and Gene. And then all of a sudden, Paul comes in with, Here, here's a song I'm doing called Heart of Chrome. The stakes were higher. We were more brutal with each other. Gloves were off. Paul says the title came from a Jim Steinman song called Chrome Heart and has Bob Ezrin's stamp all over it. I find this funny because in, <laughs> where they're talking about this, Bruce is basically saying, yeah, me and Gene were working on this. And then Paul comes in and says, fuck you. I've got a song called this. Yeah. And then Paul says, yeah, the song title didn't come from them. It came from this. Yeah. <laughs> like he's I know. Like cutting them off. Yep. Telling them like, oh, no, no, that's bullshit. I didn't do that. Um, Vinny says he left during the finalized uh, writing portion of it. And the, so- <laughs> the song could have come out a lot better. Dude, what the fuck? He might be right. Oh, he's definitely wrong. The song. Okay. Ass. The one thing I will say about this song, it is Bob Ezrin in a nutshell. It with that breakdown, that really complex chorus with the layered vocals, with Paul doing one thing, the gang vocals doing another. Very, very heavily produced Bob Ezrin in, in, in a good way. That being said, I still think the song is very average. There's oh, a lot no. going. There's a lot going on, but I just think the song is okay. From no a, way. From a melody rock standpoint, the oh. song is okay. First of all, it also has that other great fucking line. You taped our sexy conversation and you sold that to the BBC. We know our buddy Jericho loves that. Hence, oh, yeah. hence uh, quarantine's version of this. Awesome. Which Jericho redoes basically the domino the video, domino video. <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. So let's tie those two together right now. I think uh, uh, Chris and the gang at quarantine did a fucking awesome job on this. Oh, yeah. I love the fucking course on this. Hey baby, I got an angry soul. I got a broken home and someone, and then Paul's in the middle of it. It says, I'm going to stick it in your heart of Chrome. I didn't yep. realize that part. He oh, says I remember it that. twice yep. in there. Yep. And then, um, you know, I got no self-control. You got a heart of Chrome. Yeah, sugar. Now you're going to see that since you messed with me, you'll pay eternally for your heart of Chrome. Dude, that fucking shit rocks. Uh, the chorus is just, Oh, Paul and, and Bob, man. Love it. Love it. Uh, let's go to the next track. This attack told me 
thou shalt not. I put this up here in my all-time underrated, underappreciated Gene songs. One of the most kick-ass, heavy, metalish grooves on this entire album of any Kiss song I've ever heard. The groove being laid down here by Eric and Bruce is fucking insane. Gene sounds amazing. The, the verses are amazing, and I love that gang chorus there. It's just fucking phenomenal. Great, another great, great, evil sounding solo by Bruce. It's so great. But I love this line from Gene. Oh my God. Some talk about things that don't age well. Once I had the song title, the song wrote itself. I've always had a very combative view of holier than thou figures, whether they're political or religious. Priests always shake their finger in your face and say you shouldn't do this or that. My first question is, who died and made you king? So the notion of this priest hypothetically talking to me, mister, you could kindly kiss my ass. It's a middle finger gesture to somebody who thinks that he is my judge and jury. You mean like your Twitter page in 2021, Gene? (laughs) That finger waving, that kind of shit that you shouldn't do with it? That? That? That's all I'll say about that. But otherwise, the song absolutely fucking rips if it wasn't for another song on this album this would by far be gene's standout track i have always loved this song and i think the reason why i love it even more is that i never hear it it's nowhere else but revenge and they never play it live and they never will obviously love it thou shall not gene's written by gene simmons and jesse damon another the guy from silent rage mm-hmm. simmons records um it's funny. I think I, uh, we're going to reverse how we feel about this song versus the previous song. Okay. Uh, I think we're on opposite ends here. Go ahead. I love the lead guitar in the beginning by Bruce. Uh, Gene with the, of course, boom, slide. I lo- oh, yeah. It's got an awesome, catchy chorus. Yep. Um, it, it just, Gene, <laughs> it's biblical Gene again, the salesman. Oh, yeah. The second verse. You ain't the son of God. And if you are, would you be interested in purchasing <laughs> these rosary beads in the image of the Ankh warrior? You can buy two for $5. <laughs> Just fucking Gene. Always like uh, biblical Gene. Um, also, the ending chorus. Uh, I'm, I'm going to live my life again. Yep harkens back to trial by fire yes right right. yep good call back Um, there i love the solo coming in after the bridge great solo by bruce uh gene Simmons. he wrote it with mark damon i'm like isn't that jesse damon or is fucking guy go by who fucked up either i don't know wikipedia the album or gene who says that in a book who doesn't know what the guy's name is like humble pies, I don't need a doctor or mantra song, rock candy. That's what he was looking for. He says a friend told him that he saw a girl group band named Thou Shalt Not that sucked. That's <laughs> but that's a great band name and might make a great song title as well. Dude, who is that poor band that forever in history try to make it? The only relevance they have is that Gene Simmons says. Yeah, my friend saw a band called that. That sucked. They sucked. <laughs> and now you're in a book yeah. saying that I called said yeah. that you sucked. 
and then that little funky little thing at the end, Gene says at the end song, you got that right. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's Thou Shall Not. Let's slow it down, grab our lighters, go to the next track. Every time I look at you, uh, some people say that Paul was trying too hard for this, that, you know, he's trying to capture the magic of forever. And yeah, why not? What's the problem with that? Forever was a massive hit. Uh, I think this should have been a massive hit. I think this song is amazing. I think it's a beautifully written song. Uh, it's a power ballad. They are supposed to be corny and cheesy. I, I, I think it's an amazing song. Um, this was very, 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 very close to being my wedding song. Uh, but there were a couple lyrical issues in the, in there, such as it's going to take a little time to show you just what you mean to me. Not exactly what you want during a wedding song. That's the part. That's oh yeah. The part would be like the guy's apologizing constantly. Well, that too. Well, well, well I figured you, your in-laws are like the fuck she marrying for. What did he do? Well, <laughs> that, well, that, that too. There's a whole, but there's a whole bunch of things, but the chorus itself, every time I look at you, no matter what I'm going through, it's easy to see. You know, it's it's a beautiful song. Um, I think it's got another really nice solo in it. Uh, it just didn't take off the way I think they had hoped because it was 1992 into 93 and songs like this didn't really exist. Um, I think it's a really underrated ballad. I think Paul sounds fantastic. Uh, and I, I think it's a great song. I think it's a, a really a, a standout ballad. And unfortunately, it kind of gets buried. Every time I look at you written by Paul Stanley and Bob Ezrin. Here we go again. Bob Esmond's here. Uh, Dick Wagner. Can you oh, come yeah. in and play the solo? Yep. Why? Why? Yep. Bruce isn't fucking the guy that's at home. I'm playing a game of cards. I can't fucking make it. Oh, come on, dude. I agree. And I'll get to a part. Okay. It was actually the fifth single. It didn't chart. Uh, and Bob did the uh, string and horn arrangement. I like the little acoustic guitar in the beginning. A little Maggie Mayish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the solo. The solo is pretty good. It's electric, yep. though. Unlike yeah. forever, forever. Which, yeah. Um, and I think this tried to be in too much forever part two. 
And that's why it, it, it takes a hit, I think. Uh, Paul says it's the right song at the wrong time or the right song by the wrong band. Dick Wagner says Bruce tried to play on it, but didn't come up with anything that was good enough or more appropriate. Dick Wagner, fuck off. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break. Who the fuck are you shitting on Bruce trying to say that he didn't come up with anything that was good enough? Really? This is the guy that played the fucking one of the greatest solos ever on forever. Stop. Yeah. Um, the video settle down. Paul Stubble. Oh, yeah, exactly. R- relax. I don't remember this video, Tom, because it never made it to extreme close up. Nope. And I never re- I didn't. You know, at that time we were at college. We didn't have cable. I totally forgot there was a video for the song. Yeah, I totally yeah, did. I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, but yep. I, I, you know, Bruce is playing the fucking Angus Gibson, then the big BB King guitar. Yep. Uh, I can't see who's on the piano. They, it's like a fucking image. You don't see. No, this is all serious. There's an orchestra. Oh, yeah. This, you can tell us this is the fifth single and we're getting into 92, 93. All of a sudden, it's like very grungy, very, oh, you know, oh, yeah. Serious, the, serious face. Like, the, like you said, the stubble. Yeah. Settle down. Settle down. You're singing every time I it, look at you. The song, Paul, it's one of those Paul. I know what you're doing. You're trying to make it a hit. He is. He throws that on unplugged. When you think of the songs that are on unplugged, you're like, what the fuck is that song doing there? I see. I like it though. I like it. I always have. I don't think there's any, it doesn't add anything to the original track. Uh, But like you always say, it's Paul's way of pushing a song that he liked that no one else liked. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like it didn't make it. Well, fuck it. Maybe we can make it a single from this. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It didn't do it, dude. Fucking move on. You could have put so many other songs here, but it's still a very good song. Yeah. Yep. (sighs) Let's go next. Another underrated deep cut on this song. I love how it opens up with like a little mini solo. Gene's vocals sound fucking amazing in this. I don't know what's going on there with his vocals, but I love it. The music in this song, I kind of said the same thing about spit. The music, it's like it's got that funk rhythm to it. Um, it it, it kind of breaks down with when Gene is singing. I, I think this is a really underrated song. It's got the breakdown that we're going to talk about minus the rap 
that Bruce played for us. We're going to reference again to our hundredth episode with Bruce when he played the rap that was supposed to be part of this song. Kind of like if you're a Rush fan, talk about the song "Roll the Bones." Oh, um, I th- brutal. It's not a good song. Oh, it's not a good brutal. Song. It's not, roll it's the not, bones. It's not a good song. Um, roll the bones. But paralyzed, I, I, I've always liked this song. Again, the production on this album and the way everyone sounds makes every song listenable and enjoyable for me. And I think an, another song, another reason I like Paralyzed, like like Thou Shalt Not or Spit, these are songs that you never hear anywhere. They, they're not overplayed. They're not beaten into the ground. But I think Gene sounds great. I think it's a unique song. Uh, I think Eric Eric is playing his ass off on this one. Very cool. Paralyzed, written by Gene and Bob Ezrin. Love the fucking chorus. Oh, this yeah. is what you would call a deep cut. Yes. This is a deep cut. And I yep. think this is a great deep cut. Yep. Um, the repeat of it, it's all right. Yep. Yes, it's all right. I love that. I love when when songs do that. The repeated theme of the repeated word after mm-hmm. every fucking lyric or so. Um, it's a almost a, an Alice in Chains type song. Yeah, I can I see for that. Me, for me, I feel like it's very grungy. Oh, no, totally. Lyrics and stuff. He mumbles something not so bad in the rap version. Yes. You know, that I don't know what he's fucking babbling about there in the middle. And nor do I really care. Uh, I am interested in what Bruce, you know, played for us, which was fucking awesome that he had that ready for us when we talked about this song. And he, unbelievable. It was so like spontaneous that was awesome uh, you guys really should listen to that 100th episode when we had bruce on oh yeah fucking fantastic yep um and then you know the solo comes in um it, it's 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 a lot of fun that chorus keeps repeating itself but it's fucking great mm-hmm. um gene uh says bob and i wrote that together most of it was mine <laughs> then he says this oh, cringe if you want i know Bob brought down a black rapper to rap on it. Why does the guy have to be black? I know. Why can't you just say rapper, Gene? The fuck, dude? (laughs) It never worked out. I'm like, yeah, but Bruce played it for us. Yep. And you're right. You can hear. I I, I played this with earbuds on. I'm like, I can hear a couple of words. Like, I want to be able to hear because there's still there's still some kind of weird like tuned like auto-tuned lyrics or something going on under there during the breakdown but i i don't know exactly what it is can't really understand it but very cool tune yeah absolutely great deep cut yep um let's move on to the next one i got a body built for sin and an appetite for passion You got I Just Wanna. One of the all-time standout tracks from Paul. What an 
unbelievable, catchy, hooky, melodic Paul song. I mean, it's got that iconic chorus. I just want to fa. I just want to fa. I just want to forget you. But an opening lyric that you just can't be beat. I mean, we did an episode on best opening lyrics. This was right up there. Um, just a fantastic song. Again, my problem, another breakdown. This one's bad. This to me, this <laughs> breakdown is bad. Um, and again, referencing Greg Prado's book, the video director said that because the song was a little poppier, a little bit more upbeat for Paul, they wanted something to pop out on the screen. So they gave him that white void yeah. background so that everything kind of sh- comes out. You were like really full and bright against the white. Um, great song. Just just uh, just a really timeless song. Uh, I think Paul is just super clever on this. Uh, and the song just rips. Just If you're a Kiss fan, you've got to love I Just Wanna. I Just Wanna, written by Paul Stanley and Vinny Vincent. Yep. I guess Tommy's a background singer on this song. The song made it to number 34 in the U.S. mainstream charts. Paul opening up vocally. Black dogish. Totally. And he's totally ripping off the gene line. Make someone an offer too big to refuse. Mm-hmm. That, how many times have we heard Gene say that? Oh, yeah. The chorus is just clever. Him writing with Vinny. Oh, it's just clever. The Eric drum fills in between Baby is fucking so awesome. The solo is cool. The Ezrin breakdown. No, this one. I still love the song and it's it bad. overcomes it. It's not very good, but I love the breakdown where it's Paul's voice with Eric. Yeah. I don't want a romance. And it's just him and Eric playing the drums. That's cool. I don't want to dance or a second chance. I love that. I don't want. Paul says it's something like similar to summertime blues. I always think summertime blues that he talks about the different versions. Uh, It's Eddie Cochran's summertime blues. That's the fucking original. If you really want to hear like early, real, cool rock and roll, Eddie Cochran doing summertime blues is fucking insane. Or Black Dog, he says. Or again, Fleetwood Max, Green Manalishi. Yep. I thought that's what spit was supposed to sound like because exactly spit doesn't sound like I just wanna. Nope. The other thing about this, and I think Bruce talks about this in episode 100, is the slide guitar in the solo. Mm-hmm. Yep. I am a sucker for a side guitar. I fucking love it. Hence, that's, awesome. that's why I love the Eagles. Uh, and when we saw them last weekend, Joe Walsh. Two things I love, the talk box and a slide guitar. Fucking going nuts with both of them. I was like, holy shit. There's nothing cooler than somebody can rock those both. I love yep. the slide guitar. Great job by Bruce there. The video, like you said, Tom, see, complete opposite of Unholy. It's now white. It's fun and cool. Hairy chest, Paul. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I thought he, Paul looks cool in this. He does. Gene with his one-inch sidekick that he can't lift. Dude. He's dude. Stop trying to do calisthenics, David Leary Roth. You are not Gene. Not happening. Yeah, nope. your kicks aren't making it, buddy. Nope. And the worst is there. There's that section where their their hair is blown in the wind and is pawing Gene together. Yeah, that is not a flattering look for a fat Gene it, in the nineties. It is kind of a least metal moment, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. He looks chunky, Gene, and yeah. the hair blowing like. <laughs> Ooh, not good. <laughs> yeah, 
that is not an appealing look for people. No. But I do like in this, some little things that happen in videos once in a while I love and I see it is when the Bruce Solo comes up, Gene sticks up at his thumb and points. Oh, I love that and, stuff. And almost yep. like a hitchhiker yep. fucking gesture. Like, take a look at this guy behind us and fucking uh, yep. Bruce is out in front. Oh, that is so fucking cool. And then that's when you start noticing a slide guitar. I'm like, oh, shit, that is a slide guitar in the solo of this. Mm-hmm. Um, typical bridge imagery in the video. And this, this Gene close up in his mouth. I'm like, oh, it's not smell. good. Can smell the Big Mac breath from here. Phew, oh. That domino shake stinks. He <laughs> still got the fucking chocolate fucking Sonic milkshake breath going. Um, yeah, and then uh, it just—it's a great, fun, uplifting video. You know what makes this video even more fun and uplifting? And nostalgia for me—it's the end of Extreme Close Up. Bingo. Yep, you said it. That's right. Right. That's what I think of when I see yep. this. Yep. I think that's when the credits start rolling and everything. And that's hence why I don't remember every time I look at you. Yeah, that's true, too. You're right. So anyway, finish it up. Car Jam 1981, the instrumental they threw in here as a uh, a little tribute to Eric. A lot of people are familiar with this from uh, Ace on his solo record with the song Breakout. Uh, same music. Bruce came in and kind of uh, overdid some of the guitars and stuff on it. Um, I like instrumentals. Um, I like this one even more because it is a tribute to the memory of Eric. Um, I think it's got a really kick-ass groove and a vibe to it. I mean, it's cool that Ace turned it into a song, that he turned it into a, a song with lyrics. But I, I like that it's on here. Um, I, I, I respect the band for putting this on there for them. So good on them, and, and, and God bless Eric. Car Jam 1981, written by Eric Carr. Now, Ace took that riff, and he played with Eric Carr, fucking around with it. Yep. He took it, put it on Fraley's Comet for a song called Breakout, which he now credits himself as a song lyric, Eric Carr and Richie Scarlett. But Todd Howard sings the song. It's not even Ace that sings it. So right. I don't know if you remember that from Fraley's comedy. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, the guitar is awesome in the beginning. Bruce, you know, does his best on it. But I don't like fucking instrumentals. I, I don't yeah. like this one. Yeah. Um, I-, I shouldn't say I don't like it. I can tolerate it. It's not bad. But I don't need an instrumental. Yet, I want it on this fucking album. I want it as people because there are certain drum people and things like that, but people will appreciate that. And I may not feel this way, but you might feel differently and want to hear it. So yep. leave it on the album. And also 
I, I like the touch. Let's give Eric not forgotten. You're a legend. You're part of this album. So Eric Carr is part of one of the greatest kiss albums of all time. Exactly. Still. Exactly. Right. Yep. So yep. that's how I see it. I agree. Um, yeah. So that's car jam 1981. And those are the tracks from revenge. Yep. Wrap up thoughts. Yeah. Look, this is to me, when I think of production and, and sonically speaking to me, this is my favorite sounding kiss album. Uh, this is what I want in a, in a hard rock borderline metal album to sound. Okay. I don't want it to sound like creatures of the night. I don't want big, gigantic, bombastic reverb on my drums. I don't want that. I want this crisp, tight, punchy bass drums, punchy snare, awesome distorted guitars, normal sounding vocals and bass. The, 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 the production on this Bob Ezrin hits it out of the fucking park for anything you want to say about him for what he did on elder. You got to say the exact opposite for what he did on revenge. It sounds fucking fantastic. I think this album checks off all the boxes for what we love about kiss. It's got the demon. Then it's got dirty gene. It's got emotional Paul with every time I look at you and heart of Chrome and tough love. Then it's got dirty Paul with take it off. And I just want to it's the album gives you everything that you want. I know that I hear people out there saying, Oh, revenge is a little bit overrated. And I think they're focusing on some of the songs that aren't hits to call this album overrated. But if you haven't heard revenge in a while, I tell you, you got to go back and listen to it. So for me, Tom, uh, this, this album is very nostalgic for me. I, I tend to sometimes wonder myself, am I overrating this? Am I underrating this? Which one is it? When I think about this album, I don't think like that there's anything really skippable on it. No, nope. there are skippable songs that come on when I listen to a kiss album. Like, Absolutely. Oh, I don't want to fucking hear yep. this. There's nothing on here. So when we go through these tracks, you know how I feel about instrumentals. But let's say song 11. Song 11 may be song 6 or 7 somewhere else. Yep. I I can tell you song 7 or 8, maybe song 2 or 3 on other albums. Right. That's how highly I think of this album. I think this is Kiss at its pinnacle during the non-makeup era. I'm not sure. Well, maybe, maybe not. We still have another one that might compete with this. I, I shouldn't show my hand yet yep but i think at this point they were getting better i i wish they would continue in this line me too hard rock slash metal fun catchy choruses demon likes lyrics fun lyrics a ballad here and there you're right cross off a lot of uh boxes on this album and Bring a guy like Bob Ezrin in to say, fuck you, Paul and Gene. You're not fucking producing this. Stop taking the cheap way out and putting your shitty production on Hot in the Shade and having you guys produce it. Take the money out of your fucking pockets and put it into the product and have a guy like Ezrin come in. Yep. Or bring in fucking Eddie Kramer back. Or bring Michael James Jackson, somebody that gave you a different. And that's the thing. Those three guys, I think those producers do something for you. They give you something. Mm-hmm. There's not one other album that's not produced by those guys that I'm like, oh, yeah, the production on that. Right. Right. Because they're all fucking like, oh, oh Paul did the production on this one. Oh, yep. fucking uh, Sonic Boom. Yeah. Monster. Just, yeah. 
No, we don't need that shit. Let's let's get back to the fucking basics. Give somebody else control, but they know you. Not yep. this Ron Nevison shit. Yep. I agree. Fairband, you know, fuck that. Big thing, but like you said, the big thing, I wish this lineup continued. I just wish this fucking yeah, lineup kept going. Yeah, I mean, going. we do get one album more, but yep. they went a little experimental on that, and we'll get to that one, too. Yep. But overall, so pumped that we got to revenge. Mm-hmm. Here comes the extremely difficult part, ranking this stuff. Mm-hmm. Want to go first, or should I? You can go. You go first this time. All right. 12 tracks. Number 12 for me, easiest easiest one to fit in. Car Jam, 1981. Yeah, me too, just because it's an instrumental. Yep. Song 11, easiest, second easiest pick did you put here. Tough Love. 11 for me is God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Really? Yes. I know there's a lot of fatigue with that song. Yeah. Okay. Number 10 for me, Spit. <sighs> There's going to be a lot of differing on this one. Number 10 for me is tough love. Not really, Tom, because number nine for me is God gave rock and roll. Okay. Number nine for me is every time I look at you. I like it, but it's a ballad. I'm telling you, we're not that far apart. Number eight for me, every time I look at you. Okay. This is where we're going to differ. Number eight for me is heart of chrome. Oh, yeah. I think Jericho is going to put you in a headlock. (laughs) Number seven for me, Tom. Thou shall not. Ouch. Seven for me, Domino. What do they call him? Domino. They call her Domino. Uh, number six for me, Domino. Wow. Number six for me, Spit. <laughs> um, almost, I like all our songs are almost there, just a little bit different order. Yep. Number five for me, Paralyzed. Wow. That's my number five. A lot higher than probably anybody else would expect. I, I think agree. That's a, such a fucking great deep cut. Absolutely. Yep. Number four for me, Heart of Chrome. Number four for me, I Just Wanna. Oh. Yeah. My, my top four were easy locks. Locked in place. Tom, sorry, buddy. Number three for me, Unholy. Oh, I'm not surprised. I know what your one and two are. Um, number three for me, this is going to upset you. It's got to go somewhere. Take it off. No, I, I get it. You're yeah. the gene guy for right. this album. Exactly. I get it. And that's still high. Uh, number two, I just want to. Yep. Two for me, thou shall not. I know that's one of your favorite deep cuts, man. Yep. Um, number one for me, not even close. Um Take it off. I knew that. one of yep. my favorite. I, dude, I, I just get a smile. On Me my too. Face just saying to you and looking at you and saying, wave your panties in the air. You know, your lips and shake your hair. You, you, you know, my, my wife has been to a couple kiss shows with me. She yes. knows that she knows that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kiss idiot. She knows that me and Zeus both are. I played take it off for her. And she was just like, what is Paul doing right now? Like, what is he doing? Like, like lick your lips and shake your hair. Like, yeah, Mrs. Johnson. Yeah. Oh, God. I love it. Yep. Unholy number one for me. So take it off. Number one for you. No surprises there. Now here comes the, uh, the good stuff. 
Unholy. You like that song, Tom? Do you like Unholy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about why it's number one for you. Why it's number one for me? I want to hear the superlatives. I assume you have, like, this is one of your favorite songs of all time. Okay, we've never discussed this before, but I'll just discuss it right now. Oh, we know who we haven't we haven't we haven't talked about Kiss Mount Rushmores at all. We do sometime. Okay, because we, okay. we never want to give away. We want people to kind of go right. along a little right. bit. Right, right. Yeah. But let, let, let's just say that unholy would be competing for a spot on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, which if you it. know anything about the United States, there's only four heads on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> just for you people out there that don't know or that are from a foreign country and aren't familiar with Mount Rushmore. It's a, it's a saying that we use for the four best things. So this would be competing for it. To me, the best Gene song. It's one of the greatest riffs ever, not just for Kiss, but in, in hard rock that era. Uh, everything about it is just the, the solo. It's menacing. It's Gene. I just can't get enough of it. that. That riff is just unbelievable. Oh, just amazing. Great song. All right. So, Tom, when we rank these, we're now going to rank this against the other albums that we have reviewed so far. So we've done 13 albums before this, Tom. This yep. is the 14th. These are the albums we've reviewed so far. Mm-hmm. Kiss, Dress to Kill, Rock and Roll Over, Ace, Ace Frehley, <laughs> Gene Simmons from Kiss, Paul Stanley, Paul, Paul Stanley. Stan- <laughs> <laughs> now we have to say it like that. Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley. Ever seen him um, <laughs> unmasked. Creatures of the Night, Animalize, Asylum, Hot in the Shade, Revenge, Psycho Circus, Monster. Yes. So the first thing we're going to rank is album covers. Yep. Tom, do you have your list? I do. Yep. All right. So covers. I got Rock and Roll Over, number one, Creatures of the Night, Gene Simmons, Ace Frehley. Dressed to Kill, Kiss, Paul Stanley, Unmasked, Psycho Circus, Hot in the Shade, Asylum, Monster, Animalize. As much as I love Revenge. And this is an I album lo- cover. Yes. Yep. As much as I love Revenge, the album cover is a little eh for me. Lackluster. Yeah. And it really can't compete with some of the art that's on a lot of these albums. So, again, we're talking cover only. I am going to put it behind hot in the shade and put this at number 11 for me because I like, I like Leon with the sunglasses on hot in the shade. Okay. So I got it. Number 11 for me. All right. My order is this for album covers. Number one, rock and roll over. Then Gene Simmons dressed to kill creatures of the night. Ace Frehley kiss. Paul Stanley. Asylum, Monster, Psycho Circus, Unmasked, Hot in the Shade, Animalized Last. I am putting this album at number 10, just under Monster, because Monster still has makeup kiss. Yep. I think Asylum with the four faces in the colors of the, you know, the members colors, even though it's not Peter and Ace. I love that. And it's so 80s. I'll put this on there because it's kind of like their, uh, I don't know what to say, in through the outdoor. Okay. Uh, you know, here's a fucking brown bag shit. 
whatever. Yep. Like, here's just kiss on thing. And Cycle Circus sucks. Unmasked socks, hot in the shade socks, and animalized socks. Okay. For covers. Go. Yep. All right. So Revenge is my number 10. Let's go to the hardest thing. I, I, I'm i <clears> telling you, I can't think of a harder album to, to fucking fit in here on our <clears> list. <throat> now, do you want to read your list? This is album. Overall yep. album. Go ahead, Tom. Yep. Read your list. All right. I got number one, Dress to Kill. Number two, Kiss. Rock and Roll Over, Paul Stanley, <laughs> Unmasked, Hot in the Shade, Asylum, Ace Frehley, Creatures of the Night, Gene Simmons, Animal Eyes, Psycho Circus, Monster. I went back and forth on this for a while because I needed to determine how high revenge was going to go. Revenge. Oh boy, I can't wait to see what people think of this because I know what people think of this album, and I know what people think of some of these other albums that are on our list. Revenge is going number two for me behind Dress to Kill. Oh! <laughs> wow! Yep. yep. Wow! That's a yep. big. That's a big decision. That's a that's a big decision. Yeah. Number two behind Dress to Kill. Yep. Tom, I'm still thinking of this as, as we're talking right now. I'm still and, and while you're thinking, I'll just give a little bit of explanation here. So I loved the Kiss debut album. Okay. But it's got Kiss in Time. It's got Love Theme from Kiss. I know it still has Deuce and Strutter and Black Diamond. That was the really big struggle for me. Rock and Roll Over, to me... I love the sound of rock and roll over, but there's a lot of songs on there that are, that I could do without. I want you making love hard luck woman. Some of the songs are okay. The album sounds spectacular. And of course it's classic and iconic putting revenge above the kiss debut album. That was a little tricky for me, but revenge, it it just pushed it up. It's not going to knock out dress to kill, but uh, revenge at two for me. So what do you got? All right, Tom. So, uh, my album's uh, ranking, I have Rock and Roll Over, number one, Creatures of the Night, Kiss, Paul Stanley, Dressed to Kill, Hot in the Shade, Ace Frehley, Asylum, Animalize, Psycho Circus, Gene Simmons, From Kiss, Unmasked, and Monster. Tom, I'm still thinking about where I'm putting this fucking thing. God okay. Damn okay. Good. While you're thinking, I just have a very important question. What's the impersonation of Peter Chris going to be when we do his solo album? Because we got one for the other three guys. So I'm trying to think of what we're going to do for Peter. Fuck old Peter Chris. I don't know. We'll think of something for All poor right. Peter. All right. So go ahead. Hurry up and make a fucking decision. Jump oh, in. Fuck off. I can tell you right now. Just make it number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's top five. Thank God. Um, I'm just debating whether I put it there. I can't. So I'm going to go number four. Wow. It's below kiss debut. It's above Paul Stanley above Paul Stanley. I got to be honest with you. I am pleasantly surprised. I did not know where you were going to put this album. I yeah, I, I knew I knew it would be pretty high. Nice. It's a full album. It's exactly. a full 
awesome album. There's no skippers on it. The problem is, like, I love Take It Off. I just want to unholy. Like, do I love those songs more than Nothing to Lose, Firehouse, Black Diamond? Those best three against that best three, I'm taking Kiss. See, and, and you bring up the point that I struggled with is that can I really sit here and say that Revenge is better than the Kiss debut album? For me, it's a, it, we always say this, even when we do the ARC episodes, there's a lot of fatigue with Kiss and some of the best yeah. versions of those and some of the best versions of those songs are on Alive. But you're right. It's it, it is tough. People are going to be like, how the fuck you put Revenge above an album that has Black Diamond, Strutter, Deuce, Firehouse, nothing to lose. I, I I understand what you're saying, but again, ranking Kiss albums this high, one, two, three, four, it's like ranking like your children or what? Like they're all they're like one one A one B. You okay. know, I'll take Black Diamond over Take It Off. I will take Nothing to Lose over I Just Wanna. I will take Deuce over Unholy, and I'll take Firehouse over Heart of Chrome. That's why I came up with it. There you go. And I actually like Kissing Time because all four members singing. Love theme from Kiss is a fucking stupid instrumental. Well, Car Jam is not stupid, but it is instrumental. I got you. So where am I really throwing away? I like Let Me Know. Cold Gin is overplayed, but it's still a good, fun song. 100,000 Years, thank God it's not live, is still a good, fun song. Like, I, it's hard to beat uh, beat that. But Revenge I agree. reminds me of... When we started getting into like revenge is an album review crew episode. Yeah. So if we didn't, if we weren't doing a kiss podcast and we were doing a kiss album, I would love to say, let's take revenge. Yeah. That's what it makes it. Cause it's a full album that we could discuss. There's so many intricacies going on with there. What's the intricacies with fucking hot in the shade. Right. They're all in Gene doing demos. Like, right. You know what I mean? This thing is just something on its own. Guys, what we love to do on these things is hopefully get that conversation going. We will try. I will try now to kind of put this out there afterwards. And so look at our rankings. Put your rankings out there. List your favorite tracks. List your worst tracks. List whose fucking opinion you like. Whose you don't like. We don't care. We want conversation. This is fucking revenge. Yep. Let's talk about it, guys. Yep. Let's talk about it. And when you're talking about rankings, too, and we talk about this on the ARC episodes, too, sometimes a, a, a couple different things can can interfere, or maybe I shouldn't say interfere, but affect your rankings. And those things for us or for me, and I know, Zeus, it applies to you, too. Sometimes the intangibles that you consider are nostalgia value to it, fatigue factor to it. Okay, Tom, we got into this album when we were in college together. Our best times of our life. Correct. No offense. I don't remember Kiss debut album. Me neither. I got into it afterwards. And I remember looking at the cover going, why does Peter Chris look stupid? And and the other thing that makes (laughs) and the other the other thing that makes Revenge special is half of the album appears nowhere else. So if I want to hear it, I have to play Revenge, whereas Mm -hmm. the entire Kiss debut album is everywhere. And that doesn't make it bad. It's everywhere because it should be. They're classic, iconic songs. So Revenge just has a little bit more of a personal value. I'm not going to sit here and fight you and tell you that it's that it's better than Rock and Roll Over or it's better than Kiss. But for me, that's where it lands on my list. Yeah, you ain't hearing them play this any of these songs in concert in the last 20 years. No, which, which with except for fucking walking out and listening to God Gave Rock and Roll to you. 
which one one quick thing as we kind of wrap up here, an album that had five videos and five singles is not represented on the end of the road tour. How the fuck do you explain that, Paul? Because we have to play. Say, yeah, we have to play Psycho Circus. I get to say, yeah, Tom, way more than I get anything else because it's the current lineup. That's one song representing the current lineup. Fine. Which has been there for the last 15, 20 years, whatever. Fine. I don't get Psycho Circus. Nobody fucking craves that song. You right. mean to tell me the crowd wouldn't go more nuts for Unholy over Psycho Circus? Yeah. No, I, I, I hear. I know. I know. <sighs> Anyways. Anyway, that's fucking revenge. Yep. Love album reviews. Love them. Absolutely. Can't wait to get to the next one. Yep. Anyway, Tom, this is what we do next. Hi, this is Ed Spanjberg of ClickTeaShop.com. And for all your shouted out loudcast gear and merchandise, please visit ClickTeaShop.com. At Click T Shop, you can find lots of Kiss inspired t shirt designs, plus mugs, hats, hoodies, pillows, and all new fine art selections. And now, here's your question of the week. All right. So, our question of the week comes from Chris. And this is a question I think we may have probably talked about, a, covered this a, maybe a little bit, maybe not in a question format, but. He talks about live albums in bootlegs, but more mm-hmm. specifically, why do we think, and again, it, we don't have any answers, so it's just our opinion as, as KISS podcasters, why do we think that KISS never released a live three during the Eric Carr years when there are bootlegs that are out there? There are, there are bootlegs that you find out there, uh, whether it's the Animalized Live Uncensored that's on vinyl or CD that you can find. Why do we think Kiss never released a proper Alive 3 during that Eric Carr 80s era? What's your take on that? What do you think? I'm not sure. I don't know whether it's like um, they didn't think that the songs were legendary enough to qualify for an Alive 3. Um, It was non-makeup. I'm not sure. I think they thought, you know, they didn't think Eric was going to all of a sudden get ill. So they always probably thought they had it in their back pocket. And then all of a sudden he does get ill and the band needs something after revenge, because as good as revenge is the tour's not doing that well. Yep. Let's, let's try to put it together. Let's do an alive three and let's do, let's start talking about our history again and do extreme close up and things like that. I, yeah. I think they didn't think they needed it probably. Yeah. I think, it, I think it might've been a couple things too. I think, I don't think live albums were a big deal in the eighties as much as they were in the seventies. Um, plus I think maybe kiss was maybe had, maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Maybe they were just doing a little bit of self-reflection and we're like, you know what? We're not the band we were in the seventies as a Do people want a kiss live album right now? And, and you said something too, is the material strong enough to warrant a live album right now? Mm-hmm. You know, we got a couple of hits. We got a couple of MTV videos as a live album going to translate into anything um that being said there are bootlegs out there i've actually seen a bootleg of a vinyl with a spectacular cover it's really really cool it actually looks like it's set up like the cover of a live two okay picture the cover of a live two but the colors are all the colors of asylum and the four pictures 
are all the four pictures of those band members. Mm-hmm. So it's a white album cover and the kiss alive. And it says kiss alive three. And it's all the asylum colors with the four faces of the bands from the asylum era. It looks fucking great. I just, when I saw that, and I think this was kind of the impetus behind his question about, you know, since those bootlegs exist, why didn't anything official release? When you see something like that, you're like, shit, that would have been so cool if that was a real thing from Kiss, but it wasn't. So, but if they really want the real thing, they should go listen to our real live Kiss uh, segments and our series that we have on our show. Absolutely. Where they can go by what we decided to do is every three albums, yep. Kiss releases a live album. That doesn't have any songs on the previous Alive album. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yep. There's some interesting song choices to choose from. Oh, yeah. That yep. was a lot of fun. So go find the real Kiss Alive series that we guys, uh, we played out there on uh, our podcast. Yep. So, Tom, where can people find us? Our email is the best place. We always say this every week. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Please email us questions, comments, feedback, anything you want to talk about. We'll do our best to read them on the uh, air during the show. If not, we read all of them. We do our best to respond to them. Sometimes we can't get to all of them, uh, but we appreciate everything. We read them all, believe me. And of course, the social media that we always talk about, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're on all those very active. Comment, uh, tag us, start a thread with us. You can send us DMs, direct messages on there. So check us out with the social media. And of course, as we mentioned earlier in the show, our wonderful Patreon family, patreon.com, the website and Patreon app. Search for us. Check us out. See if it's something that you're interested in and want to be part of the family. Uh, and we are always proud to say that we're part of the great Pantheon podcast network of shows. Tons of great shows, all different genres of music. We're part of that. And of course, our good buddy, Ed, uh, you heard the question of the week. Click T-Shop, his website, click with a K. Check him out. It's got some great Kiss-inspired stuff, some great shouted-out loudcast and album review crew stuff. And soon, you'll see some Zeppelin Chronicles stuff, too, as well. So check that out. Yeah, Ed, uh, it's got, we, we've been working with Ed closely, and we have some, uh, some new tricks up our sleeve coming soon. So be on the lookout for that, and make sure you go and get all your shouted-out loudcast gear, including our T-shirts. At clicktshop.com. Like Tom said, DM us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're receptive to them. We try to get back to everybody's, but we do read them. Okay, we do. And me and Tom, uh, when we get our chance, we always go over them. We laugh with each other and really enjoy getting your feedback. Uh, Don't forget to follow us. Subscribe to our YouTube YouTube. channel. is constantly growing. We love the feedback on YouTube. Thank you very much for that. And if you could try to go onto iTunes and give us one of those five star Star. child reviews. So people can find our podcast and uh, it lets people know where to go for all their kiss needs and album review crew needs. And now Zeppelin Chronicle needs. And please keep a lookout for the Zeppelin stuff Make sure you uh, repost that, retweet that, share that, send the links out to your buddies, because we know there's so many of us that are KISS fans that are just as big as Zeppelin fans. And uh, we're going to try to give you guys the definitive Zeppelin fun podcast as well. So please make sure you share that and forward that to your friends and uh, 
be sure to uh, be on the lookout for more stuff coming down the pipe for that as well. And then always, I like to repeat the email, shout it out loudcast at gmail.com, shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Now, what we like to do is end on famous last words. You got any? Oh, I do. Who cares? I'm in a trance. I got no hope. I don't stand a chance. But it's all right. Yes, it's all right. Take it off, pretty baby. Take it off. Drive me crazy. You know you make me so hot. I want to see what you got. Take it off. Oh, man. Revenge. Oh, revenge. Go watch Superman 2. Is that Tom, Superman 2? Is that Superman 2 electric boogaloo <laughs> yeah. or just Superman 2? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Superman 2 piss cakes boogaloo. <laughs> oh, um, go. Tom, thank you. Loudcasters, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Guys, thank you so much. Everybody out there, uh, Patreon subscribers, uh, everybody there on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the people that subscribe and listen to the show and share it and retweet. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. We can't wait to hear what your thoughts are on revenge and where we rank the album ourselves. So thank you. And Zeus, as always, my friend, thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. Unlock big savings during the Menards bag sale at Style and Security with Schlag Lock Sets. Menards carries over 50 styles of interior and exterior lock sets. And with Schlag's wide selection of smart locks and keyless entry locks, there's no more hiding keys under the doormat or losing track of copies. Save big money on Schlag Lock Sets. Plus, save 15% when you fit it in the bag. Now through January 14th, available in-store only at Menards. Save